Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo. Skag Free, whoever he is. Get your quad fascist ass out of here! Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. You are a terrific team on all counts. Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement, this, this is the Matt and Blonde Show. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international over depression. <laughs> Hey, why the fuck is the gas so hot, bitch? I believe in the sand beneath my toes. The beach gives a feeling and a deep feeling. I believe in the faith that grows. There's been some criticism of the person who's been chosen to oversee this board. She had previously called the Hunter Biden laptop a, a Trump campaign product. How can you assuage concerns of people who are looking at this, wondering if she's going to be able to accurately judge misinformation? It sounds like the objective of the board is to prevent disinformation and misinformation from traveling around the country in a range of communities. I'm not sure who opposes that effort. To the argument that it is just words. What do you say? It's not just words. Well, it's a whole spectrum of abuse. I get the bimbo slur a lot. B word, C word, hysterical bleeping snowflake lesbo bleep. They look for evidence of an Adam's apple or a five o'clock shadow. And often I get memes of empty egg cartons. (laughs) If I were walking on the street, and a crowd of hundreds of people were shouting the insults that we spoke about, police would intervene. I doubt it. You are fake news. Shut up! Silly woman. Very fake news. I agree with that. Let's go, Brandon! All right, America, go to the YouTube right now. Big ups to Rebecca for keeping that woke. Congratulations <laughs> to both of you. You're awesome. We'll do it live. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. It is a terrific show. It is a tremendous show. Frankly, the very best. You can ask anyone about that. People often do. I'm told this is the Matt and Blonde Show. My name is Matt Christensen. I'm flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Blonde. Welcome. Hello. I hope you liked the egg carton joke in the intro. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have I have a kid, so I don't worry about it. Anymore. You're not sensitive to those. Good, because I got into that a little bit with the video I posted yesterday. But when I heard the egg carton joke in her NPR interview, I thought I really got to save that for the stream because yeah, I think that's yeah. some prime blonde material. There was a time where you guys would make me um, cry myself to sleep <laughs> with your what did she say? Spectrum of abuse. Ah, yes. The spectrum of abuse. We will get to uh, Nina Jankowitz, the victim of these egg carton memes later in the show. Uh, Before that, I often wonder what the defining image of the Biden presidency will be. Uh, Will it be skydiving Afghans falling (laughs) from the planes at the Kabul airport? That was good. Will it be Biden wandering aimlessly on the White House lawn with the Secret Service uh, pointing in the opposite direction to no effect? Or... Will it be what happened at the White House Correspondents' Dinner last night? Biden with his head back, cackling at a joke about how everything in this country is way more expensive. The only thing worse than a a president presiding over economic struggle is one who laughs at you in the middle of it. I got to think that Joe cut a thousand campaign ads last night. 
That Yeah, yeah, for sure. But he doesn't care is the thing. And he's going to be dead before he runs again. 84. Is he capable of caring? We have other clips this week to that effect. How much is left in that feeble old man brain, if anything? Fire up the fortification machines for November because they're going to need them. Uh, let's see. Also on the Nina Jankowitz front, we do have Alejandro. I can never say his damn name. Alejandro Mayorkas, the DHS secretary doing the media rounds over the weekend on the topic of Nina Jankowitz saying, don't worry. I know it sounds like this, this disinformation governance board. I know it sounds like anti first amendment, federal government censorship, but really it's, it's the opposite. Did you know that the disinfo governance board is built to protect free speech and your privacy rights? Straight dystopian, this. It might have been poorly named, but uh, it, it has your rights at heart. And Ministry uh, of Truth. Yeah. Later in the stream, uh, of course, the Twitter deal has been accepted. Elon Musk's Twitter deal. We'll, we'll catch up on some stories we have not yet had the chance to discuss surrounding that, including Twitter General Counsel Vijay J. Gotti. I believe that is the correct pronunciation, I'm told. Vijay J. Gotti cried at a meeting this week about Twitter's future under Elon Musk out of her vajayjay it was just I, streaming tears I don't know and we do have hoax hate before we get out of here featuring an image so graphic YouTube will not allow me to show it oh I we checked. can't show it oh it's so funny it risks my entire true channel. hate true no, hate I, I have no doubt that someone did it sincerely it's just his dumbass friends well it's a case yeah. of drunkenness at a party and people sharpying things on a oh. drunk kid's face oh. I'm sure it was Klansmen and Nazi youth who did it, I bet. Not his dumbass friends. Not his black friends, yeah. Anyway, um, and then movie review tonight is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, so stick around for that. And of course, we will catch up with your super chats in between topics 10 bucks and up on the Sunday show because we are no good low-down money grabbers. We will get to as many as we can before 11.30 p.m. Eastern. It will be all this and more on your favorite couple hours of listening material. Remember, you can find everything show-related and support the show over on the website. That is mattchristensenmedia.com. The show store is up over there. So if you want to pick up a t-shirt or a hat or a mug, we have all of those items. Plus, we have great offers from friendly listener-owned businesses as well. This week's feature business is our friends over at Sonoran Defense Technologies. If you've listened to the show for a little while, you know that Sonoran Defense does the absolute best custom Glock work around. Their laser stippling not only makes for an eye catcher at the range, but the grip feels incredible in your hand, too. Their laser work is totally customizable. So whether you'd like a new Glock or you want to spruce up an old one that's been sitting in your safe for a little while, Sonoran can shine it up nicely for you. Sonoran also does custom graphic laser work on AR and AK magazines as well, from highly detailed artistry to whatever your favorite meme is. But these days with the gun and ammo market the way that they are, uh, you might like to know that Sonoran's custom laser work isn't just for Glocks or guns at all. They can laser engrave all sorts of items from knives to drinkware and more. They even laser engrave this show's artwork onto the very PC I use to stream the show. So whatever your custom laser engraving needs, maybe you can check out our friends at Sonoran defense. That's sonorandefense.com. Plus you can follow them on Instagram at Sonoran defense for secret designs. You will not find anywhere else. Sonoran offers listeners of this show, 10% off all their products and services using promo code G's. That's J E E Z for 10% off with Sonoran defense. Find everything you need from our friends at Sonoran Defense Technologies, plus other great offers 
From the rest of our friendly listener-owned businesses, including Charity Swipes, Hero Soap Company, Phoenix Ammunition, and more. That's at mattchristensenmedia.com slash deals. Deals for listeners. By listeners. We had a uh, a meetup in Sydney this week. And did you notice, I'm told there was a, a visitor from Melbourne and we have some. I see him or her. I'm not sure which one of them. Ah, well. Is the one. Some some people have moved from Melbourne to Sydney. One person still is from Melbourne. But attention to detail. I don't know if this is on the part of the now Sydney meetup group or if this is just a kind gesture by the establishment. But did you note the table number? 88. Are there 14 of them? I don't know, but. They got the HH correct. I'm just and we have a minority in there and some beards. We're, the beards things are looking uh, up for, yeah. uh, for beauty and the beta. <laughs> We're going back to the old name, are we? I, I still like I still haven't changed my channel. It still says beauty and the beta. That's all right. <laughs> I'm sure it probably does here and there. It's like some legacy things that can't be changed over, even yeah, though we're a year and three or four months into the name change. But that sounds made up. What a nice, normal looking group of people. I'm just I'm disappointed that they didn't have the full the, the actual arm gesture to go with the the table number. But that's OK. One of those guys is doing a little a little Zig Heil. Ah, well, maybe maybe I couldn't tell. Beardy McGee over here. Anyway, so the real news, a lot of updates from the set of Rust. Uh, Investigators in Santa Fe County on uh, Monday released a a large volume of evidence in their investigation into, of course, the shooting on the set of Rust where a gun just magically went off in Alec Baldwin's hand. But Alec had nothing to do with it at all. Evidence released includes emails and text messages pulled from the phones of crew members, movie footage of Alec. Uh practicing the shot that eventually led to the fatal shooting body cam footage of first responders on the scene and videos of police interviews with Alec Baldwin, armorer Hannah Gutierrez Reed and other crew members. I have not combed through all of this evidence, but I have kind of glanced at all, you know, the videos and a lot of the, the news coverage of it. I haven't seen a lot of information that's revealing of new facts that we didn't already know, but a lot of it is of contextual importance. And the 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 only potential new fact that I saw recall. So Helena Hutchins was killed and director Joel Souza was also struck by the bullet and he mm. was injured but recovered. Now, according to police interview of Souza at the hospital, he said, and this is the first time I've seen this in that interview, he told investigators that it was Hannah Gutierrez, the armorer that handed Baldwin the gun not Dave Halls, who was the the assistant director. Every other witness has said it was Dave Halls. Yes. Yeah. So he might just be. That's illuminating. Come on. I mean, he was just shot. Maybe he was mistaken. He's the only guy saying that. But if that's true, then all of a sudden Hannah Gutierrez Reed becomes even more implicated than she already is. And we also have some new information to that effect. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, first, we'll talk about the uh, the Alec Baldwin um footage and uh, as far as there's video of his interview there's all kind there's body cam of him right after body cam footage of him right after the shooting but there's this video from the actual movie set cameras of him practicing the shot and it shows alec drawing uh, that revolver exactly as described and cocking it exactly as he's previously described now his finger is on the trigger but no, he, what a surprise well he had said to be you know, perfectly accurate. He's never denied that his finger was on the trigger. 
I thought he did in the Stephanopoulos interview. He said he didn't pull the trigger. Uh, but with police afterward, I think he said, my finger was on the trigger. I just didn't pull it. So, you know, we're splitting hairs, but it, as far as I can tell, I'm not sure he, he's ever lied about his finger not being on the trigger, at least that I've seen. Anyway, so here's here's that uh, footage from the actual movie set camera. Uh, once at regular speed and then once zoomed in at uh, quarter speed. So there's the draw cock. And then here's here's slower speed. <laughs> yeah, you got me. I can see so easily how that would have resulted in a negligent discharge. Definitely Just the could. the weight of the movement. I shouldn't do that. Uh, I'm going to get gifted. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Um, the weight of the movement of his hand could just. Yeah. yeah. Now, note again, that is not footage of the actual shot. That is a practice take that was sometime before the actual shot that killed Helena Hutchins. But we can probably assume that the actual shot was very similar. The only way. For a gun like that to go off just by cocking the hammer as he does is if the trigger is in fact being held down. Now, a lot of people are speculating in response to that video that Alex's finger is in fact holding the trigger down. Honestly, I can't tell from that tell video either, clip. Yeah. It's it's too. I just can't see enough detail. But if he did hold the trigger down and he did the move that was just seen, that would result in the, in that firearm discharging. Yeah. Uh, which I think is the most likely explanation for what happened. But mm. so I, whether that's new information about Alec Baldwin or not, I, I think that's just kind of contextual support for the leading theory of what happened here. But we now have more information on the armorer Hannah Gutierrez that doesn't look great for her either. In addition to the fact that she may have handed Alec the gun. Uh, yeah, I think she probably did hand Alec the gun. Isn't his opinion more important than some of the other eyewitness accounts? Well, the only opinion saying she handed it to him was Sousa. As far as I know, Gutierrez says she didn't. And even Alec Baldwin says she didn't. Yeah, maybe they both have some kind of. Well, she definitely does have a vested interest in some CYA behavior. Although Alec Baldwin, I don't know why he would lie. Anyway, um, why would he lie? He has a lot of reason to lie. No, no, he would lie. <laughs> uh, why would he lie about who handed him the gun? Oh, I see. He has no vested say, in benefiting himself. He has a lot of lies that we'll get to in a moment, or at least for, would appear to be cover for up sure. type behavior. I think the most illuminating thing about these revelations, though, so these texts between um, Gutierrez and it was this this prop weapons company, this guy from this prop weapons company called Seth Kinney. Um, and she texted him to ask him whether or not she could shoot hot rounds out of a film prop weapon. She's like, hmm. can I use live ammo out of a prop gun? And he's like, no. He's like, don't do that. That's a serious mistake. It always ends in tears. That's what he said. And what she said was like a pretty big load of actual ammunition. Because she was like, he was like, well, what do you mean? Because that's such a stupid question. <laughs> and I have to get you to answer answer what you mean by that. Um, and then she said after that, she was like, well, I'm still going to shoot mine. So I assume what this means is she's saying like, I'm still going to shoot live ammo out of out of a prop gun or, or my gun. Sort of unclear. But we also had the report earlier staff on set saying that, yeah, a whole bunch of them took prop guns out to go target shooting prior. Right. This sounds yeah. totally consistent with that. <clears throat> but this seemed more um, uh, this seemed more feasible to me. Like, what if she was shooting live ammo out of a prop gun on set yeah. that somehow got into the other 
props. Well, and that is one of the biggest questions in the case. How did live ammo get onto the set? Nobody has an answer for it, but this is uh, at least circumstantially the likely explanation. I don't know. Um, and then, of course, the whole crew blames <laughs> blames Coutiers, which I guess isn't too much of a yeah. surprise. But there's this line producer whose last name is Pickle. Um, and in text, in these texts that were revealed, uh, she's talking to, I think this costume guy, Reed. And she says, since we've started, I've had a lot of days. Well, this is what Reed says. Hold on. Hold on. Let me, let me go back. Um, she was, I remember her lawyers were like, well, she's had to do two jobs and everything like that. Yeah. And, um, that turns out that that's not really true. So, uh, her defense initially in this text message thread, since we've started, I've had a lot of days where my job should be only to focus on the guns and everyone's safety. I'm forced to do both jobs. And that's when mistakes get made. And then this is the crew talking to each other after the shooting. Um, do you have records of conversations with production about the fact that she wasn't doing her job as assistant prop master? This is on October 29th. And the prop master insists Hannah never helped with props. The only time she did was when I was offset a couple of times. That's why we got a buyer so they could pick her up, pick up her slack. So this defense that she had her time split between two jobs and everything like that, it's not really true. Hmm. Her time could have been devoted to the, to the one job and it would have been fine. Um, and then uh, the, this Davis guy also says there are protocols in place that would have prevented Helena's death if Hannah had been following them. She broke so many by her own admission. That's willful negligence. She's liable. She's going to go down for manslaughter. Wow. Okay. So strong words, words from them. But it sounds like she was just uh, covering her ass. Her lawyer was just uh, covering her ass, which is, I suppose, their job. But she really did have enough time to, um, to just focus on the safety of the crew. Yeah. So a couple of other um, interesting notes about the investigation uh, here as I was browsing the New York Times coverage. Uh, Helena Hutchins autopsy still is not done, which I found to be <laughs> shocking. The final report still not concluded. The story when reads, I read this initially, I, I, I thought you said um, the autopsy hasn't been conducted yet. I was no. like, what? <laughs> well, as far as, report, right? as far as we know, actually, that has not, we don't know the report's not out. So the story reads the body's the, just sitting around. like, Yeah. The University of New Mexico. <laughs> Alec has it buried somewhere and he's hiding yeah. it. Uh, University of New Mexico, where Miss Hutchins autopsy is. It says being performed. I mean, that's present tense. Yeah. Is not yet finished with its report. OK. At least not that I'm an autopsy expert, but but most of the sources I see say a, a full autopsy report usually takes about six weeks. This shooting was over six months ago. That's pretty weird. We don't have a report on that front. And then Santa Fe County investigators still don't have Alec Baldwin's phone data. Now, recall, Alec Baldwin didn't turn over his phone for months. He eventually gave it to police in Suffolk County, New York in January voluntarily, but really he was basically coerced <laughs> and it, but it was under an agreement that the police in New York would review the data on the phone for relevant information and pass that information to Santa Fe County authorities. So far, Suffolk uh, County authorities have provided no information from Alec Baldwin's phone to Santa Fe County authorities. That to me reeks of corruption cover up. Come on. It does not take yeah. six months to, well, they've only had it since January in fairness, but it doesn't take four months to review phone data. I, I just don't trust but this what's investigation. What's the incentive at this to point. protect him? I mean, oh, just the he's fact not a that political he's a, figure. What's the incentive? You can provide incentives with cash funds, with certain favors, with all the connections that he has. He's a powerful guy. He can make it worth someone's while, you know? 
And I suppose um, the irony about his attitude towards guns and what actually happened, that gun safety could have prevented all of this. Speaking of, he has no shame on that front. He Mm. posted last week uh, a video. There's this video going viral of shots being fired near a Little League game in South Carolina. I don't know the full details of the story, but it's being seized to show this is the America that the NRA wants. Gunshots going off Mm. at Little League games. And Alec Baldwin posts this to blame the NRA and say that we need comprehensive gun reform. Alec Baldwin certainly has a higher body count than NRA instructors do. The irony being, if if there was an NRA, I don't even like the NRA for a whole host of political reasons. But I'm sure that if there was an NRA instructor on the set of Rust monitoring the situation, this would not have happened. happened. Yeah. Blame the NRA. I'm sure it was the NRA's fault that Alec Baldwin totally didn't shoot a woman to death. I just can't. You're entitled to your political views, I guess. I can't imagine um, posting that sort of material unironically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, people are believing this defense. Why so. is it giving us a, a warning that our meeting is going to end? Uh-oh. Uh, well. Should I get out and join back in? Would that change? Anything? Yeah, let's try that. I don't know what the hell's going on. Okay, there. see you guys. Yeah. Bye. Hold on. Stand by. Thank you for your patience, guys. Let's get rid of double me there. Uh, in the meantime, actually, she should be back um, very quickly. Why is it? Too, uh, that's that's very odd. Well. No, it's still, um, it's still on my end. It's not on mine though. Well, are we going to get shut down? Hold on. Hold on. Let's, I'm going to just start, restart the uh, meeting. Okay. Okay, Do I have to leave? Uh, yeah, definitely leave. Okay. So my apology, stand by guys. Let's see if we can get this. Uh, let's see if we can get this figured out. It's okay. okay. Why does this happen? Uh, well, I, I kind of know why it happens from a tech perspective that would just waste everyone's time to talk oh, about. Okay. People were saying they were seeing two U's. Uh, yeah, that's normal, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's normal. Everything's fine. All right, carry on. Anyway, sorry for the delay. Appreciate your patience. Let's get back. Uh, let's get back at it. So uh, last week, we had a laugh at uh, Malcolm Nance with his... Uh, oh, hold on. I don't even have you up yet. There we go. Uh, Malcolm Nance with his AK claiming to have gone to Ukraine to fight and uh, you know, foolishly thinking apparently that he's just in his backyard putting on a show. Well, fact check false. Malcolm Nance, uh, Malcolm Nance, he is back on CNN to tell us all. He is indeed fighting on the front lines in Ukraine and Ukraine is very lucky to have his combat leadership. He says, 
Among this multinational group of about 20,000 fighters is former U.S. Naval Intel officer and former National Security Analyst Malcolm Nance. It's really not a question of NATO that they attacked for. It's a question of democracy. And so when the invasion happened and my friends were calling me and saying they were going to die because of the intensity of the attacks, uh, you know, I wasn't just going to sit on television anymore, give my opinion, point to dots on the map. Uh, they made a call for people with skill, with combat experience, and I answered that call. Well, I'm glad that I can uh, help spread the message. You know, I'm going to go back to the front with that Slava Ukraini. When he agonizing uh, when he referenced combat experience, I was curious because I know he claims to be a naval, a naval intel officer, and I know he's been on MSNBC for a long time. So, what combat experience is, is he talking about? Well. Uh, according to Wikipedia, he, quote, took part in combat operations that occurred after the 1983 Beirut at barracks bombings was, quote, peripherally involved in the 1986 U.S. bombing of Libya. He was on the USS Wainwright during Operation Praying Mantis, and he was aboard during the sinking of the Iranian missile boat Joshan. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. And he served on the USS Tripoli during the Gulf War as well, as well as assisted in a uh, Bosnia airstrike. Hmm. Now, if Malcolm Nance is actually in Ukraine, it sounds like his peripheral involvement in the combat is hard at work yet again. Uh, you'll notice on the CNN graphic. Uh, let me grab it here. The CNN graphic. He's Skyping in from Western Ukraine. Really? And, What's um, going on in Western Ukraine? Pray tell. Is it, is it nothing? He's heading nothing. straight off to the front from Western Ukraine. <laughs> now, I'm not an expert on the war or Ukrainian geography for that matter. But I can tell that Russian forces are not in Western Ukraine. This according to uh, the Institute for the Study of War as of April 20th. Maybe I missed something over the weekend, though. Maybe Russians, maybe Russian paratroopers dropped into this Western Ukrainian city where he assuredly is and definitely not in his backyard uh, to this whole stunt. Anyway, we will monitor the the combat (laughs) operations of Malcolm Nance as they develop. Uh, well, remember the name Anthony Huber? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. He, uh, of course, being from the Kyle Rittenhouse case, this was the skateboard man who brought a skateboard to a gunfight and found out that was poor strategy. And uh, actually calling it a fight would not be precisely accurate because it wasn't mutually agreed to. Anthony Huber chased and uh, he chased a fleeing Kyle Rittenhouse with a skateboard and he hit Kyle with the skateboard in the head and uh, in his neck area. And he was defensively shot for that attack was Anthony Huber. Now that's according to a jury of Kyle Rittenhouse's peers in Kenosha, Wisconsin, who acquitted Kyle of any charges related to that shot because that shot was perfectly legal and justified as we have discussed at length on this show. Now, Implicit in that jury finding is that uh, the fight was Anthony Huber's fault, that Anthony Huber was the aggressor and he was dealt with defensively. Also recall, Anthony Huber was a violent aggressor at many times in his life as well. Domestic abuse in 2018. He kicked his sister's ass. Uh, Strangulation and false imprisonment in 2012. He threw a chair at his brother, choked him and threatened to gut him. With a knife. Now, I revisit all of these facts because the city of Kenosha, Wisconsin, is apparently trying to honor Anthony Huber with a memorial. I should be more precise. His girlfriend is trying and the city is entertaining the proposal. A proposal to make a memorial for Huber at a Kenosha park has been submitted by Huber's former girlfriend, Hannah Giddings. 
uh, too little publication except for a story by former Kenosha, uh, Kenosha alderman and investigative journalist Kevin Mathewson. Mathewson attended the Kenosha City Commission meeting on Monday on the agenda. Indeed, was the item uh, to consider Giddings request to create a memorial for Huber in Anderson Park. Now, a contentious exchange happened. Because Matthewson says the commission was trying to prove, uh, approve this request in closed session out of public view, which would be a violation of the law. After debating the issue, the commission tabled the issue for a later date. Video of the meeting and Kevin Matthewson's confrontation for uh, this transparency is available in the story. I will link in the description. Matthewson says, had he not, uh, he and his uh, people working with him not publicly spoken up about this, he believes the commission would have quietly approved the proposal. Huber's parents are currently uh, suing Kenosha police and the Kenosha County Sheriff Department. It's not known if this memorial may be related to that lawsuit. Uh, I am just waiting for the Joseph Rosenbaum memorial in which he's chasing <laughs> children in a straitjacket. That, oh, yeah. That's the one I want to see. Wouldn't that be something? Or, uh, well, never forget the uh, the various trollings that have happened at George Floyd memorials. Maybe we should embrace this. Maybe it's a trolling opportunity. It's no less worthless than what other funds are being spent on. I suppose so. <clears throat> uh, really quickly, uh, I just want to talk about the upcoming Supreme Court abortion decision, too, because we may have some tells happening. Uh, recall, of course, that we have a, a major Supreme Court abortion case coming up very soon. The challenge to the Mississippi abortion law. That could, in theory, overturn Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey and the entire concept of nonsensical abortion rights invented. You, you search the penumbras in the 14th Amendment. We all know about those. Now, on Thursday, the court released a decision in an unrelated case involving recovery of damage, uh, recovery of damages under health care law. That doesn't have any direct relevance to the abortion case, but... Guess who wrote that opinion? John Roberts did. Mm. And that matters because John Roberts also wrote uh, two other majority opinions this term, which is, according to analysts, a possible indicator that he won't be writing the opinion in the abortion case. Dobbs v. Jackson uh, Women's Health Organization. Bloomberg News Supreme Court reporter Greg Store says Roberts authorship of this opinion suggests that he is not writing the abortion decision. Otherwise, uh, he would have two majority or. My, I, I might have been mistaken there. He wrote one previously this uh, this uh, uh, health care damages one would be the second. But he would have two majority opinions from the December sitting and some other justices would have none. In other words, because he wrote this opinion that just came out, it's highly unlikely that he's going to write the abortion case. And the likelihood of Sotomayor or Breyer or Kagan writing the decision one has to think would be pretty low because yeah. for them to have a majority opinion, they'd have to be joined by Roberts plus someone else from the conservative wing of the court. Even if you don't have faith in Kavanaugh or Barrett or Gorsuch, them joining Sotomayor in a majority opinion, highly, highly unlikely. Uh, unlikely. As the wall street journal uh, editorial board notes though, uh, Perhaps Roberts could recruit recruit one of the conservatives to join him in a compromise uh, position that would preserve the Mississippi law without striking down Roe or Casey. Now, this would be the, the exact sort of Roberts reasoning you'd expect. Well, actually, this law doesn't violate Casey's undue burden standard because X, Y and Z. So this law stands and the court's abortion jurisprudence, the entire history of the decisions also stands. That would be the Roberts thing to do. Um 
And there is a lot of flexibility because the court has never really defined what undue burden even means. Right. So they could just say, nope, it's not undue because I don't think it's undue. <laughs> anyway, the point is that it's almost a guarantee that Roberts is not writing the opinion, almost a guarantee that the left uh, wing of the court is not writing the opinion. Someone else is. And that might be a tell that uh, we're going to get uh, something that's maybe a little damaging to the Roe v. Wade uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey string of cases. Do you really think so? Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I could, could I see them completely overturning it? I'd be surprised. Could I see them chipping away at some of that reasoning? Yeah. Let's see what happens. Uh, the decision will be released by June 27th when the current Supreme court term ends. And of course, remember when the current term ends, it is also time for Katanji Brown Jackson as Breyer will officially leave the bench. Great. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, we we will see. I uh, I'm excited to see what this decision holds when it comes down. It could be very, very soon. Anyway, uh, getting into the major news of the week and into the weekend, uh, the economy's crap. But, um, you know, the 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 growth that's the growth is coming later and all the major indicators show that we're strong. Anyway. I'm so sick of this. Every article I read was optimistic. It would lead yeah. with terrible economic news and it would be like, but this is actually a positive indication for future growth. I'm like, how? Yeah. How is this? So the GDP shrunk <clears throat> in Q1 2022, the first quarterly decline in GDP since the beginning of the pandemic, 2022, and 1.4% drop on an annualized basis. That is significant. It doesn't sound like very much. But but it is significant. One point four percent drop on an annualized basis. Well, in a shrinking um, economy in general is, is a fairly rare event. It does happen right, maybe once yeah. a decade, something like that. But to decline, not just for growth to slow, but for our economy to actually shrink is uh, there's no way to spin that as good. And they're trying. No, that's true. Although I do agree with them that there are other more important indicators uh, yeah. than, you know, definitionally being in a recession which is just a quarter over quarter decline. Yeah. Um, anyway, there, there are two reasons that the GDP has gone down in the last quarter. One is, and I think that this is really bad, imports have increased 20% as um, Americans are buying foreign-made goods. Hmm. Exports fell 6%. So, so this whole thing of like bringing manufacturing back, it's like... <sighs> And then the other thing. Well, it was never going to happen too when we incentivized ourselves not to make stuff. Not to, to make stuff, home. I know. Yeah. Uh, um, and the other thing is that businesses um, anticipated uh, this panic, this, you know, this panic related uh, clenching of everybody's butthole in the buying process. And so they ended up restocking more slowly at the start of 2022 because they had surplus. And then that also decreased GDP by 0.8 percentage points. So as a result, the total output of goods and services fell far below the nearly 7% annual growth rate in the fourth quarter of 2021. And that was during the pandemic. So yeah. also not great. Well, they hyped that uh, around the holidays. But of course, you were comparing to what? You were comparing to a bad year. A bad year, right. Which we will see them do in other metrics coming up shortly. But yeah, it's funny how when you compare to the bottom at least in recent history, everything looks great. When you compare it to yeah. the trajectory of where we should be, things are not great. Right. Um, really convenient uh, comparative analysis that they're doing. Uh, the Dow and S&P are also getting totally wrecked. They're having the worst April since 1970. Uh, and stocks in April 
so, okay, the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average plunged almost 5% in April, the S&P uh, almost 9%, and NASDAQ 13.3%. <laughs> I know. It's the biggest monthly percentage decline since March 2020, beginning of the pandemic, um, for the Dow and S&P, and the largest for the NASDAQ since October 2008, which was the beginning of the housing crisis. Yeah. And like I said, it was the worst April for all of them since 1970, and except for the NASDAQ, and that was since 2000. Um, so I think a lot of this had to do with um, o- overvalued tech companies. And so investors are kind of like listening to this Twitter news and everything like that. And they're, they're reassessing uh, the, the actual intrinsic value of tech companies. When people get into recessionary periods and they start to worry about the price of food and the price of oil and everything, everybody's like, uh, I don't give a fuck about meta and virtual <laughs> reality. Like, why, why do we care about any of this stuff? Yeah. There's probably a sweet grocery store fully stocked in the metaverse, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, seriously. So I think that that is probably what is causing um, this stock reaction. And of course, stocks, uh, the, the April uh, decline a good chunk of it was actually late at the end of the week here because Amazon had its worst day since 2006. It fell 14% on Friday, $200 billion in market value lost. This uh, comes after the company gave lighter than expected revenue guidance for the current quarter. Amazon is forecasting revenue for the second quarter uh, to be three to 7% below last year. Amazon also lost $3.8 billion in first quarter 2022 compared to an $8.1 billion profit a year ago. So Amazon led the way in what was a decline at the end of this week, but of course it has its tentacles in so many things that every, uh, all the major stock indices were, were down significantly to close the week. So bad month, but bad week to top off the bad month, which is, uh, just accelerating the pace of badness, unfortunately. Yeah. And then Joe Biden, uh, our, our, he, our leader, comes out to inspire confidence. <laughs> As you mentioned, this quarter of shrinking economy puts us one quarter short of the official definition of a recession, or at least the commonly accepted economic t- definition of recession being consecutive quarters of GDP shrinkage. And um, asked if he fears a recession, Joe says, no, wait, I mean, yes. But actually, it doesn't matter because GDP is just one economic number and all the (laughs) others are strong. How concerned are you about a recession, given the GDP report today showed a contraction of 1.4% in the fourth quarter? Well, I'm I'm not concerned about a recession. I mean, you're always concerned about a recession, but the GDP, you know, Fell to 1.4 percent. No, here's the deal. We also had last quarter consumer spending and business investment and residential investment increased at significant rates. Number one. Number two, the we are unemployment is the lowest rate since 1970. A record 4.5 million businesses were created last year. I don't even know where to start. Um, Obviously, you misspoke there, but it, I, I think it's pretty significant. To say that GDP fell to one point four percent, what the hell does that even mean? I get what he, I know what he means, but again, his phrasing maybe implies that he doesn't really know what he's talking about. Well, our GDP is one point four percent. That's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, this this um, unemployment thing also bullshit. Well, all, all the all the metrics he's referencing are total crap. You talk, oh, consumer spending is strong. Well, again, it's amazing how that increase looks very strong relative to a bottoming out during the Corona right. panic in 2020. Right, right. 
Also, consumer spending looks pretty strong after that when you just pump the economy full of fake money for consumers to spend. As far as unemployment, as you mentioned, uh, that's pretty weird. So you're telling me that we have more people working than any time in recent history, but also they're making less stuff. How could that be? (laughs) Right. It's discouraged Um, workers. It's only people that are looking for work actively. It says something about people that have dropped out of the workforce. I don't know how many times I have to say this. Yeah. The unemployment rate doesn't mean nearly as much as people think. The real metric to look at is the labor force participation rate, yes. as in how many people are participating in the economy by working, not mm-hmm. the unemployment rate, which, as you mentioned, is a measure of uh, people trying to find work who can't. But it assumes you're trying to find work. Right. A lot of people are not for a whole bunch of reasons, not just because they've been incentivized not to work, but because they've been disincentivized to work by vaccine mandates and mask mandates and a whole bunch of bullshit. A lot of yeah. a lot of moms or parents have become uh, uh, new homeschool teachers as well, too, because of all the bullshit going on in school in public schools. Yep. But um, but yeah, you look at the uh, the labor force participation rate again, it's still below where it was before all the Corona bullshit happened. We have fewer people participating in the economy by working than we did two years and change ago. And as far as business creation, oh, we had millions of businesses created. Did we have them created or did we just have some come back? Now, I have not seen an official number of how many we lost because of all the Corona bullshit. But even PolitiFact says it was a third of small businesses that closed yeah. during yeah. the pandemic. Now they uh, do not clarify permanent or temporary closure, but shutdown of some kind, including permanent shutdowns. I don't know the number on that, but you're talking thousands, if not millions of businesses lost. So you get 4.5 million back. Well, okay. That <laughs> you've still cut off. You've still cut off your legs and uh, <laughs> you're acting like you're, you have a full recovery or something. It, it, we're, we're, we're not starting from a place of, uh, of health. We're, right, we're measuring exactly. relative to, um, to a, a bottom. And of course things look good when you do that. Somebody said boomers are dropping dead from the jib jab. Maybe that's true too. <laughs> Maybe we just have a crazy, uh, all cause mortality coming up yeah. report coming up. Well, and, <laughs> and then for them to say, well, uh, GDP shrinkage, isn't that big of a deal. Yes, in, it is. In headlines that that aged poorly in only a week's time, this for in CS, uh, CNBC last week, last Thursday, White House sees strong GDP growth in 2022 despite inflation risks. And a week later, we're talking about shrinking GDP, not slow growing, shrinking GDP. So, uh, okay, now now White House says GDP doesn't matter after they forecasted GDP growth as a, a great sign that we could look forward to. You know what's and- frustrating about leftists? I, um, I, I feel like when people have their economic welfare as one of the things that, that they hold most dear to their heart, that I can better predict their behavior. Mm. And I just don't, what are leftists looking at this and they're like, the economy's great. Everything's fine. I feel like I'm living a really stable life right now. They must be able to feel this. These people, Do they just blame people on the right? Is these that- people are so ideologically driven. And I couldn't, uh, I had a had an experience yesterday walking around town with my wife and son. We were out uh, running some errands downtown. And I saw a guy, I think, unironically wearing, I mean, he was wearing the shirt. I just don't know if he was doing it to troll or if he was serious. A Biden-Harris shirt with uh, like rainbow graphics, like a gay pride Biden-Harris shirt. And it, 
my inner blonde was raging. I was thinking, I have to, I have to ask this guy seriously. Are really, are you serious? Yeah. Cause it's one thing to hate Trump and vote against that, but to see what's going on with the country right now and like and, still be like, I made the right decision and still know? actively endorse. I was fascinated. Yeah. We were both just looking at this guy who's walking behind us by like 20 feet on the sidewalk thinking these people are real. These people look at the state of the country and still actively endorse what's happening. How can you go to the grocery store? How can you go to the gas pump and maybe at least just take the Biden shirt off? You don't have to love Trump, but maybe just think, I don't know. I'm not that into the state of the country. Maybe I made a mistake. Do you remember when everything after the Clinton years was attributed to um, excellent Clinton domestic policy? It's like that. It's this leftover thing where they're like, oh, these are just the reverberations of poor Trump policy. They must be thinking that. And it is amazing how that kind of propagandistic coverage or revisionism does stick. I think that sticks with the Clinton legacy to this day. And the New York Times is doing their damnedest to preserve that for Biden, too. As you mentioned, there were a ton of headlines like this. In fact, most that I saw. But the New York Times, I think, is the worst one. Headline Thursday, U.S. economy shrank in first quarter. But underlying measures were solid. What does that even mean? <laughs> so I had to scroll through. Well, what are the measures that you're looking at to that are more important than GDP? Well, most important, consumer spending, the engine of the U.S. economy, grew 0.7% in the first quarter. Well, number one, as though that is some massively great number. But number two, again, things like that can happen when you pump the economy full of funny money. Funny you, money, you, yeah. You see an increase in consumer spending. But is that really offset, too? If it's such a modest gain in consumer spending at a time when the cost of everything is up 8%, right. is that really worth celebrating anyway? And and then I'm scrolling through the rest. Here's another one. Well, they're at, at the Melting Pot, a national chain of 100 fondue restaurants, they had their best Valentine's Day ever. Oh, oh great. Great. I'm glad to hear it. But is that... That's so random. This is an important metric relative to GDP. And then midway through the story, I don't have it highlighted here but this is what the new york times writes um it's similar to what you were talking about earlier indeed the first quarter weakness was partly related to the robustness of the u.s economy the u.s recovery compared to the rest of the world american retailers have responded to consumer demand by importing more at the same time u.s exports have lagged because of weaker economic growth abroad as a result the trade deficit has ballooned taking more than three percentage points away from the change in gross domestic product in the first quarter. But you, I reject that ta- those are even the reasons well, for and, and the, uh, the trade deficit. What you were worried about, they're characterizing as a good thing. A oh, good look, thing. Yeah. we want to buy so much foreign stuff that we can't even keep up. American retailers have responded to consumer demand by importing more. So they're saying that it's, it's driven by the desire to increase spending, even though it only increased 0.7%. Yeah. I think that we're just manufacturing less. Spending is basically steady and people have to have to get stuff. Imported. As far as I understand, they're saying, don't worry that we're making less stuff. Be glad that we're getting a bunch of crap from China. That's a really yeah, good exactly. sign. Okay. Uh, so uh, great. Well, you can be encouraged by that. And now as far as warning signs of a recession, uh, well, what are the, what are we looking for and how realistic is it that we get another quarter ahead of, of shrinking GDP? I mean, I feel like we're not seeing the forest through the trees every time we talk about Q1 GDP or whatever. It's, it's like we're functionally bankrupt. I don't really see a way out of this. 
And uh, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, but like, it's, it's not going to be a recession and it's not necessarily going to be imminent. It's going to be a depression. It's going to last like a decade. Hmm. Okay. So Optimistic as always. Short term <laughs> indicators. I mean, obviously. Okay. So the Fed started preparing the markets for tighter monetary policy. They said they started in January, but I remember hearing something in like December or earlier. Jerome Powell said the central bank would lower its $9 trillion balance sheet sometime in 2022, and then they would start taking out cheap money from the economy. So like we talked about earlier, this is putting pressure on stocks across the board, especially tech companies, because people are really tightening up um, what they're willing to spend money on and what is seems like a superfluous thing. Nobody, nobody wants to spend money on tech companies when they're like, oh, maybe I should invest in like metals and things like that. Um, also, Powell said that the next step is is um, raising the federal funds rate. That's the interstate or inter um, bank lending rate. So when they have excess excess funds, although they never do, hmm. uh, they they have an interest rate that they share in between banks and they they give money to one another. Um, and he also said that there are probably going to be as many as seven rate hikes this year. So you know that they downplayed um, what inflation was going to be. They told us repeatedly that this is going to be transitory, 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 transitory. So I guess the concern is that the feds are going to be too conservative as they increase this cost of borrowing. So this is a quote from um, from this banker or hedge fund guy. Should the Fed over tighten, the U.S. economy could slip into recession. And I think that that's probably what they're what they're going to do, given the high rate of inflation, especially in oil and food. Um, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine that every household in America is not finding better ways to spend their money, even if they're wealthy. Uh, th- this increase in spending, we don't even know over what sectors. That yeah, is. Th- this is the dilemma we've put ourselves into. You have to increase the cost of borrowing money to combat the out of control increase in prices of everyday yeah, goods. Yeah, it's sort of yeah, a pick your poison situation. And we're trying to balance it. They're trying to find the right balance of the two possible poisons. Well, the bad news is they're both poison. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> enjoy whatever pick they select. So while the Fed raises rates, um, you know, economic growth, that's something else that I kind of agree with that they said uh, it is driven by consumer spending to some degree, and especially in certain sectors. So as consumers become alarmed and uh, cull their spending and then the federal funds rate and other interest rates are going up, like that's yeah. when you experience a recession. Though. So it's hard to look into the future with the optimism that The New York Times would like you to. But uh, another way to look at it is with absolute laughter. And I get it. This is a comedy event. I just question the political uh, wisdom or even just the, the, the genuineness of the laughter. By genuineness, I just mean, is this a president who actually understands what it's like to be a normal person in this country? And it seems pretty clear he does not. So this weekend was the return of the White House Correspondents Dinner, the annual gathering of D.C. reporters and White House personnel to roast each other. It hasn't happened uh, in two years because of Corona. And during the prior four years, yeah, I guess not. But it's not like I'm watching it regularly. So I guess I didn't notice. But Trump, of course, did not participate anyhow. But Joe Biden did. And of course, uh, he screwed it up in a massive way that only he could by laughing (laughs) at inflation as a joke. Here's host Trevor Noah. Joking that uh, Biden is uh, he's on the way up. In fact, everything is looking up. Gas is up. Rent is up. Groceries are up. And Biden just 
tilts his head back and cackles. You know, I think ever since you've come into office, things are really looking up. You know, gas is up, rent is up, food is up, everything. No, it really has been a tough first year for you, Mr. President. Okay. As I mentioned, that's you'll see that in campaign ads rolling into the fall and, and beyond. Um, oh, my God. This <laughs> makes me want to kill these people. Like, I, I'm not the only American filled with murderous rage. What they're doing is dangerous. It's it's hard not to. Uh, the, oh, it's a, it's comedy. Can't you take a joke? I Yeah, I get it. However, the punchline is how everything is getting uh, unattainably expensive for many people. And it's many so pe- out of touch. There are people there in like $7,000 suits yeah. laughing about how us poor people can't afford basic necessities. This is what starts riots, like yeah. white people riots, you know? <laughs> the real deal. The real deal. The, the real deal. deal of, yeah. Now, hold on a minute, type <gasps> white rage, minute, according yeah. to this. Wait there, according, bucko. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're approaching that. We're not going to be like burning down a Nike store. We're going to be like killing everybody in government. In a totally hypothetical different. novel out soon, Susan. Exactly. Yeah. Also, the, who are the people laughing? They're all elitist reporters with six six figure salaries in posh DC apartments. And, uh, <laughs> now, if you're a family looking at your bills and trying to figure out how to make ends meet, uh, remember these are your betters laughing at what the hell? Now the timer is on again. This is uh, okay. I don't. I don't know. I don't think I did anything. Did I don't s- think this is my fault. Did something change in the software? What I, I must. Uh, I, I need know, you so, to tell everyone that this is not my this fault. This is definitely not your fault. Something Woo! may have changed in the software that I am unaware of, but I will uh, I will have it fixed for next time. In the meantime, uh, let's do exactly what we just did and I guess um, reboot. Ah, okay. My apology. We will be right back. Okay, well, we might have to do that once or twice more, but oh, yeah, uh, this sucks. What, Sorry, guys. What would it be without a little duct tape around that's here? True. You know, that's that's, that's how this operates. My apology for that, but we'll figure it out for next time. Uh, and then so so that was Trevor Noah making fun of Joe Biden. Joe Biden, well, making fun of inflation under Joe Biden, and Joe Biden finding it hilarious. But um, Joe also treated us to his own comedy. He he joked that Trump was an actual plague, not coronavirus. Uh, He joked that Republicans are trying to tear down Mickey Mouse's house. And he said that if you wonder how uh, you can have big gatherings like this one, despite coronavirus, well, you can just ask your uh, favorite Fox News host who is hanging out in the audience fully vaccinated and boosted. This is the first time the president attended this dinner in six years. It's understandable. We had a horrible plague, followed by two years of COVID. Ronald Reagan said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. Today's Republicans say, tear down Mickey Mouse's house. (laughs) Pretty soon they'll be storming Cinderella's castle, you can be sure of it. And folks, it's been a tough few years for the country. There's one reason why it's great to be here again. I know there are questions about whether 
we should gather here tonight because of COVID. Well, we're here to show the country that we're getting through this pandemic. Plus, everyone had to prove they were fully vaccinated and boosted. So if you're at home watching this and you're wondering how to do that, just contact your favorite Fox News reporter. They're all here, vaccinated and boosted. All of them. Okay. Well, I like that joke because it shows that even Fox News is filled with uh, swamp creatures. Yeah, as though all of us are supposed to uh, take offense or be upset. Oh, no, not oh, my precious I'm, Fox News. Anything but that. Yeah, my allegiance to Fox News endures. Oh, no, I, I just love Sean Hannity so much. <laughs> like, people are so out of touch. It's incredible. Well, and, and in fairness to Fox News, as though as if as though if you participate in someone else's mandate, it means you favor the mandate and want everyone else mandated. It, <sighs> If your job is covering this president and this president makes you get vaccinated to do it, uh, I guess it has that consequence. I'm not looking to defend Fox News in full because they had their own workplace policies that were only a step short of a vaccine mandate themselves. But just in fairness to uh, just, the principal, it's it they, they were all in the same place. You know, what do you think the security was like there? I'm sure it was very good. I'm sure there were a lot of assault weapons protecting them uh, as well. And um you know, as though we have to wait for their permission to, oh, you want to see how to do big events like this? Do what we do, get vaccinated and boosted or not. Or we've had large events for over a year now without that sort of requirement and everything's fine. Not to mention your own CDC says that even if we did get vaccinated and boosted, it doesn't do yeah. a lot about transmission. So if there was Corona to be transmitted at this event, it probably got transmitted at this event. This and, is so um, over. It's yeah, well, so over. Oh, I'm too early to Fauci. I was going to give credit to one joke from Joe Biden. He had one good joke, at least something that that made me laugh a little bit. Here it was. I'm really excited to be here tonight with the only group of Americans with a lower approval rating than I have. Huh? Huh? Did that one work for you? I, I just hate all of these people. I don't even have the the energy to laugh at any jokes that I, that I find funny. <laughs> well, he's got a point. If I had to pick between who I hate more between him and the propagandists who protect him, it would be hard for me to make that evaluation. Mm. There now, are the, all uh, these people are one and the same though. Speaking of the safety of the event after initially backing out of the correspondence dinner, citing personal risk assessment, Dr. Fauci did indeed show up to the pre-party, not the full event, but the pre-party. So he can take maskless photos in close proximity with Don Lemon while the servants, of course, wear masks. The people serving these elites have to mask up. But Dr. Fauci is patrolling around taking photos with several people uh, because uh, I guess the science had gone out the window shortly before the pre-party. But for whatever reason, Dr. Fauci did not want to be photographed in the event itself. Who knows? Science changes on a moment's notice. Now, uh, I do have some more stuff. So I want to talk about some of the polling and some of the Democrats prospects rolling into the midterm elections. Actually, we're right up against the top of the hour, but this could be fairly quick. So why don't we okay. roll through this and we'll get to chat a little bit later than we otherwise might. But uh, unsurprisingly, polling suggests that a lot of people see through this and I don't know how they couldn't as we've been talking about if you're bleeding money to pay for basic goods and services we're not dealing with some sort of abstract ideological problem anymore we're dealing with real financial struggles and so an yeah. NPR poll that came out on Friday 
uh, shows Republicans have a seven point generic congressional ballot lead among independents. In other words, if you ask independent voters uh, if they prefer to vote for a Republican or a Democrat in the fall, independents are saying Republican by a seven point margin among Latino voters. Republicans have a 13 point edge. Among parents with children under 18, Republicans have a 21-point advantage. Overall, including voters of all demographics and party affiliation, the poll finds Republicans have a three-point generic uh, generic ballot lead, and it'd be wise to assume that any polling slant goes to the favor of the Democrats. Meaning, at least as a matter of polling, these are devastating numbers for Democrats rolling into the midterms. Now, do you trust... Who cares? Do you trust polls? Do you trust the other? This is what worries me, because in a sane world, that should inspire confidence. It would mean we we roll into November and Democrats get absolutely wrecked and we'll be on a path to at least stopping this, if not fixing some of it. But of course, this isn't a, a sane world. There's additional reporting this week that makes um well, it makes me nervous. So given given polling like this, you would think that Democrat operatives would have some big plan to try to counter the devastating defeat heading their way, or at least minimize the damage. Instead, they have none and they don't even seem to care. Headline Washington post on Monday, Democrats approach a midterm message, but struggle to deliver it. And this quote in the story, I find particularly interesting quote. There is as much a plan to win the midterms as there was to airlift Afghans out of Kabul said one Democratic political advisor who remains close to the White House. They're they're putting us all in a bad place. The advisor who spoke in the condition of anonymity to speak candidly about the party's prospects was referring to the Afghanistan withdrawal, blah, blah, blah. But there are two ways to interpret that. One, they're just completely incompetent, totally possible, if not likely. But two, they don't need a plan because they have it fortified already. How, how else are you going to roll into such a disaster? Maybe you accept that it's a disaster and you don't care. I suppose that's another uh, explanation. But the idea that they're rolling into what the polling suggests is coming their way with uh, a certain level of apathy. I think we should take with a little bit of alarm until that point. The DNC chair this week on MSNBC agreed with the premise that this is war and that Democrats cannot and should not fight fair in the fall elections. I agree with you about mainstream media talking yep. about the Democrats are in disarray. Let's talk about the fascists on the other side. I want you to take a listen. We have Roland Martin on. Okay. The beginning of the show. And brother you know, Roland, Roro. Brother Roro is never shy about giving his no, opinion. I know. I know. <laughs> so he had a lot to say about what he thinks Democrats should be doing. I want you to take a listen and get your thoughts. Sounds after. good. They've got to be willing to engage in war. You cannot play fair with people who don't play fair. There are no rules. The other side has shown that they will do whatever is necessary in order to win. So you've got to say, America, when they didn't care about you, we did. What are your thoughts? I well, felt like that was a good roadmap. Well, well, it is a good roadmap. And, and Roland, I want you to know uh, I'm going to uh, Kentucky and Arkansas. I'm going to be in uh, Mississippi and Alabama. OK, fine, fine. You guys want to do this. I'm let's get in the mud. They apparently do. The, the, the line there. The simplified reasoning is the fascists are at war with us. So anything goes and you have the party chair saying that's a good roadmap. OK, uh, is that just exaggeration? We have exaggerated political talk all the time. Or is that a tell of some sort of new level of fortification beyond what we saw in 2020? Could 2022 be the new record holder for the most secure, most popular election of all time? 
I guess so I you think uh, they're just going to turn it around. Uh, well, I can't count on them just to lay down and accept defeat. I certainly can't count on them to honestly persuade voters. I have to count on underhanded tactics. They're telling me right there. That's their game plan. Underhanded, out of bounds tactics. Yeah, why aren't we doing that? Well, you're going to pre- listen to this and be like, oh, we still need to play in the straight and narrow. Why? Their, Fuck these their, people. Their premise is that we are. I suppose there's an argument to be made. Uh, well, you want to you want to call us fascists who don't play by the rules? I suppose if that's the way that things are. Maybe <laughs> maybe we just do that then. Maybe we just uh, I, I obviously I take no interest or joy in that. But I don't know how you resolve with someone like this who says the things that they're saying. Uh, that you know are, what you have to do. You have to compromise your principles and you have to fight dirty. That is the only way we're going to beat these people. Well, if we sur- even can survival is the ultimate principle. I will agree with you on that. And I don't know. I think you have a moral obligation to maintain those principles as long as possible. Absent some sort of survival situation. They're outright telling us we don't care about the system. We'll use whatever underhanded tactics we want. Yes. That is the, and we politi- should listen. We should listen. They've that already the po- done it. That's the political equivalent of a burglar in your home pointing a gun at you and saying, get on the ground. See, what, what are you supposed to do? I mean, at that point, it, it's a situation they created. It's a situation they want. Oh, my so, God. I don't know. So brazen. It just makes me so mad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the White House correspondence dinner jokes were not the only uh, embarrassingly cringy, gaffy moments of the week for Joe, though. I'll just get through these quickly to spare you the pain. But on Thursday, Joe spoke about another $33 billion uh, in aid going to Ukraine. He laughs that you can't afford milk and gas, but he uh, wants to send $33 billion to foreign wars that likely, uh, well, that money likely comes back, at least in some form, to him and his friends anyhow. But his brain completely broke down mid-speech, and he was trying to describe Putin's, I'll be careful here so I don't repeat his mistake, Putin's kleptocracy. Nailed it. Here's Joe Biden struggling, though. Of uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their take their their ill-begotten gains. <laughs> We're going to accommodate them. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Uh, yeah, kleptocracy and klep- the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> but these are bad guys. Kleptocracy, kleptomania. <laughs> that is straight up nursing home, putting snack time nonsense. Yikes. And it's not just about his inability to pronounce kleptocracy. Uh, he said we're going to accommodate Russian oligarchs. And in the transcript, the White House official transcript, they struck out accommodate and inserted hold accountable. Because Seriously? That's, that's what he meant. Yeah, it's in the official transcript. And of course, if we're going to talk about kleptocracy, as in elites enriching themselves on the backs of the people, are we just going to ignore the Biden family? How exactly have the Biden family, how have they made their money? Yeah. Could it be that maybe they've abused a position here or there to cash in on some illicit payments, uh, maybe taking some kickbacks of public funds? Are we really going to believe, again, another $33 billion package going to Ukraine, assuming Congress's support, which I don't know how that's going to fail, because that's the only unifying thing we have right now is sending a bunch of our money that we don't have to foreign countries. Are we going to assume that sending all that money to a country known for its corruption prior 
It's not going to benefit the Biden family bank accounts in any yeah. way. Yeah. Tell me more about kleptocracy. <laughs> that wasn't the only one, though. Last one, I swear. Uh, Biden was speaking Wednesday to celebrate the 2022 National and State Teachers of the Year. And Biden made a statement that in the classroom, kids are not somebody else's children. They're all of our children. They're like they're like yours, the teachers, when they're in the classroom. You've heard me say it many times about our children, but it's true. They're all our children. And the, the reason you're the teachers of the year is because you recognize that. They're not somebody else's children. They're like yours when they're in the classroom. No, my child belongs to me all the time, 24 hours a day. Correct. Only my husband and I. Did you see the PolitiFact fact check on this? Oh, no, I didn't. So uh, it, the video, that video clip is fact check, fact checked false. Well, how, um, how did uh, PolitiFact says the clip was edited to omit relevant context, which clarifies that Biden was not saying that the kids belong to the teachers. They include the full quote. And I went back. I looked at the full video. The full quote is we always talk about these children. They're not someone else's children. They're our children. That was the excluded part. <laughs> But how does that change anything at all? Well, here's the other part that changes it. PolitiFact emphasizes that Biden said they're not somebody else's children. They're like yours, the teachers, when they're in the classroom. Not yours. They're like yours. Is that what he said? Yeah. And that was included in the video edit that the RNC and other people shared. The like comment was in there. The the part they're saying was wrongfully excluded. He says they're not someone else's children. There are children. <laughs> oh my God. Fact check false to say that he meant that someone else, that the children belong to someone else. Uh, yeah. Um, but it, it, even if I take this, the point that they're making, he said they're like your children. They're not like your children. They are literally someone else's children. They're not like your children in any way. Yeah. Even that is a ridiculous point to make. Oh my so. God. It's false. The video clip of Biden talking is false on the PolitiFact truth meter. Wow. What a time. Disinformation. We'll get to disinformation after the break here because uh, you can expect more fact checks like this one from the disinformation governance board coming soon. But we're definitely overdue for a break. So let's uh, let's get to that. Um, We're good on D live. Thank you guys for watching over there. I can give a refresh on tippy stream unless you're ready to go. Um, I'm refreshing this coming for your children thing. It just gives me just crippling anxiety. Uh, I can't imagine how any parent would. That's part of the reason that the the, the uh, polling for parents with children under 18 is so drastically opposed to the to the Democratic Party. I'm ready to go over here. Go for um, Bill Biz, Washington state legislators pass a law eliminating the racist term m- marijuana. Oh, yeah. From all state laws and a Seattle activist glued herself to Starbucks core counter protesting non-dairy latte surcharges. Can this be outdone by Mayday? Is this for real? I didn't hear the latter one, but I heard about Washington stripping the word marijuana for some reason. It's an offensive term now. (sighs) As far as Mayday, I saw some clips of Seattle earlier today. I didn't get into detail on it, so I don't know. But it looked like things were getting pretty Antifa-y. In Seattle over the weekend. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to take Seattle back. Such a pretty city. Hmm. 
Daniel Kunkel, um, they're woke idiots complaining that the Viking movie, The Northman, is too white and too masculine. Um, yeah, they're Vikings. I'm sure political <laughs> correctness wasn't their strong suit. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I still have never finished the game Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is a similar kind of Norse-themed game. And um, and it would, but it was very diversity open, so you could make like a black chick Viking with a big afro nope, poking out of her Viking helmet. That's you know? not a thing. Not yeah. a thing. Oh my god! Uh, I bought PN. Can I nominate Matt and Blonde as co-heads of the new Ministry of Truth? <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to start drinking again to I, do that. I job. do not accept because I don't accept the premise. <laughs> but if it has to be me or Nina, I guess for the sake of the country, I have to. I have to step up. Good God, this 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 crazy cat lady. I talked about her yesterday, but I still have some more things to say, and I got to talk about the the egg carton bit. Robin D. Banks, twenty twenty two is the year of the red pill. Ministry of Truth means it's afraid they wouldn't be so flagrant about this, and the timing if they weren't desperate can't fortify all the elections. Normies waking up. No, I love you, Robin, but you're wrong. No normies are waking up from the Ministry of Truth if they're like. Well, you still have to wear my mask because I'm afraid of this little cold. Like if COVID didn't shake people from their slumber, what's the point of us any even trying to do our jobs anymore? Well, if I didn't believe in it, I wouldn't do I wouldn't do what I'm doing. But I, I do agree. I'm disappointed in people who are just now seeing some things. Oh, what's this about? Like every new subscriber or... of yours that is coming from the left. Don't you? kind of hate them yeah, a little fuck bit. Fuck you. Don't subscribe to my channel. Yeah, Get the hell out of here. For real. We needed support. Uh, like <laughs> Susan four hides or my five channel anyway. Doesn't six matter. years ago, you know? Yeah. We could have done something then, maybe. Now we're screwed. Noah Harris. Matt, you're looking lovely tonight. And I guess Blonde oh, is you. here too. Thank you. That's that's okay, a rare one. Appreciate it. No, he says that every week. It's reversed. Um, wow. <laughs> Daniel Zermano. Ministry of Truth, how much more proof do we need that 1984 was a playbook for the ones running the show? Um, it truly was. There's there's really invaluable information about uh, collective mind control in that in that book hmm. and in Brave New World. V says, Blonde wants Chechen Muslims going around killing journalists on behalf of Putin's neo-Soviet regime. <laughs> Blonde will get her wish one day. Um, I don't actually want that. Most of my journalist killing comments are a projection of my own desire to take care of the out of control media in our own country. As far as Putin's motivations, do I really know them? No. You know, do I have some Putin love? Yeah. But he's also more of the same in many ways. Do you have anything right. to say about that? No, I, I, I cock on Putin. I'm not a big Putin fan. <clears throat> Let's just do a few more. Boogeyman 917. Cheers to my favorite podcast duo. Thank you, Boogeyman. Thank you. Appreciate Robin it. Robin D. Banks. Matt and I once made rotisserie chicken. <sighs> he whipped it out and fired away right in me. I was totally dead when he was done. It's okay, though, because someone else handed him the murder weapon. Why? I... <sighs> You're acting queer. Gross. Thank you. You are acting Accurate queer. retelling. The Simpsons um, since 90. This is the last one because this uh, applies to our next conversation. Um Nina, is it Jankowitz? Jankowitz? Yeah. Is why women shouldn't be in politics. Watching her butcher Mary Poppins sent me into a dark spiral. Please don't play that click again that clip again, Matt. I I have to for the few who may have missed it. I know pretty much everyone's seen it yet, uh, or seen it already, but we'll get to it in a minute. I will be brief. It's edited down a little bit. We will Thank have you. to circle back. Um really quick over on Tippy Stream, just a few 
Uh, Phil says, interesting choice for the head of the new Ministry of Truth. Is is that an echo I hear? Looks like the Bolsheviks are back to try finishing the job. If we survive this, we should really look into why we keep. Uh, why we we accept the premises presented to us routinely. Is uh, she? I just thought that she was um, Polish. I don't know. In fact, a lot of her background is is only now coming out because she was such an unknown as we'll get to in a moment. Thank you, Phil. Incompetent hand says people keep using outdated terms like serial killer. I'm just a woman in a male presumed body exercising my right to choose. Some say 20 is too old to abort and they're not my kids, but those are just bigots who want to control my body. A glimpse into the future. I'm sure. Thank you. Incompetent hands. Jacob says half of these wiki deductions are almost always for the length of the film. That's true, but I don't want to spoil what, I have to say, Matt, I swear uh, you have the attention span of a math addict. Net. <laughs> if my email comes up, I'm sending you another uh, nothing but director's cuts as uh, vengeance for Blade Runner. Uh, you can dispute my taste, but uh, Blade Blade Runner is objectively trash. I don't care what anybody says. One of the worst movies ever made. Phil I, says, I don't even know the he, you. You definitely know me if you know that I hate Blade Runner. That's a key part of my entire personality. I don't think she's Jewish, guys. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know what her background is. Ah, I haven't seen her face up close, though. Maybe I'm wrong. It's, uh, well, um, people like to make fun of her face, as she will describe shortly. Phil says, Mm -hmm. human reigns found recently in Texas were identified as the ex-girlfriend of former NFL player Kevin Ware. That, uh, that toll is always paid. (laughs) He, He says this was a jogging incident gone wrong. Ignore the... Ignore the propaganda that <laughs> Phil doesn't like the NFL. He thinks it's an, it's a bad thing overall on balance. Phil says the rules of this country will use foreigners to try to block the righteous rage of the American nation. That's why they keep importing thousands uh, into America. Those who opened the gate should not be forgotten when we start writing our novel. Is Phil going to write the novel adaptation? I don't know. Anyway, Aunt, daughter of Ashkenazi Jewish woman. According um, to whom? I'll have to just circle back Twitter. with Twitter. Oh, this is well, unconfirmed. Yeah. Uh, not that, um, you know, whatever. I Nina Jankowitz is her own woman, and uh, I want to confront Nina Jankowitz on the basis of right. Nina Jankowitz, uh, Jankowitz's do. sayings herself. We want to individual. talk about but, um, how she's ugly, totally unrelated to her hebe face, <laughs> totally unrelated. <laughs> Now you're just trying to get me in trouble. All right. I am. <laughs> all right. I am. Everybody calm down for a second. We're still, we're going to make fun of Nina Jankowitz. God damn it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Chin. Oh. Okay. By now you've surely heard, <laughs> but on Wednesday, Politico first reported in Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. There we go. First try confirmed in a house oversight hearing. The DHS is creating a new disinformation governance board ostensibly to counter cartel and Russian disinformation, as in the stated purpose of this board is to counter foreign propaganda that threatens uh, U.S. homeland security. And of course, the uh, reaction uh, correctly was, wow, so a literal ministry of truth. We're going to have a government agency defining and enforcing what's true and what's false. And so DHS Secretary 
Alejandro Mayorkas appeared on CNN this morning to clarify, sure, it sounds like this board is going to control speech and censor people. <laughs> and that's sure, exactly it, what we're going to do. It sounds like we're going to monitor uh, American citizens, but silly you, it's actually designed to do the exact opposite. It's going to protect free speech and it's going to protect your right to privacy as a fantastic bonus. Republicans are calling it Orwellian and comparing it to the Ministry of Truth in the novel 1984. Can you clarify what exactly will this disinformation governance board do? Will it monitor American citizens? Those criticisms are precisely the opposite of what this small working group within the Department of Homeland Security uh, will do. Disinformation that creates a threat to the security of the homeland is our responsibility to address. Mm-hmm. And this department has been addressing it for years. What, what will it do? So what it does is it <laughs> works to ensure that the way in which we address threats are addressed without infringing on free speech, protecting civil rights and civil liberties, the right of privacy. Will American citizens be monitored? No. Guarantee what, that. Well, so what we do, we, we in the Department of Homeland Security don't monitor uh, American citizens. Now, note that he refrained from an affirmative response to will you guarantee that this board will not monitor American citizens? And it's so good at saying so much while actually saying nothing at all. That was just meaningless tripe. He's talked for like five minutes. Kamala Harris is the champ. Oh, yeah. Uh, but as though we haven't seen this before, remember when the uh, the FISA courts were created, they they were to spy on uh, or to authorize spying on foreign enemies. And, uh, whoa, funny, some American citizens just got uh, caught up in that surveillance. I, I can't imagine such a thing happening again. But um, you know, all they have to do is just deem whatever you're sharing or discussing to be foreign disinformation. They'll go after you the same way they'd go after an ISIS terrorist in Syria or something like that. The only safety that you have is whatever they deem to be or whatever counts as foreign disinformation. And it would be insane to trust these people in defining that term accurately or fairly. And just this morning on uh, on Fox News, on Fox News uh, Sunday morning show, Alejandro Mayorkas was asked if the uh, Pisgate dossier would count as foreign disinformation that this board would go after. And Mayorkas said it's not for him to opine. Was the Steele dossier disinformation? I. It's not for me to to opine on. You know, that, Americans that are general. <laughs> okay, so the entire premise of this board is that it is your job to opine, to say not that what, what is and was not uh, foreign disinformation, and they mean note, other disinformation. I can't. So this, if the Steele dossier doesn't qualify, despite being foreign in origin and factually incorrect, and produced for misleading political purposes. If that doesn't fit their definition of foreign disinformation to be, they have a lot of definitional flexibility that they will likely give to their friends and not extend to you. That's a safe conclusion. And even if you think that's overstated, all you have to do is listen to this crazy cat lady who's been selected to run the operation. Nina Jankowitz, Nina Jankowitz is uh, an otherwise unknown 33 year old cat lady who wrote a book or two about Russian disinformation that nobody bought or read. She has no <laughs> political experience. She has no foreign policy experience other than she apparently has been called upon to be an advisor from time to time. Not that those qualifications would make this uh, 
would make this disinformation board legitimate. They wouldn't, but it would be hard to pick someone more clownish than, than Nina Jankowitz. As I mentioned, everybody's seen this just in case you haven't though. Uh, this is Nina Jankowitz singing about disinformation to the tune of Mary Poppins or a Mary Poppins classic. Why are you doing this to me? Okay, fine. Just in case you haven't seen it, prepare your ears for the oncoming assault. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared bad intel from Ukraine. Or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain. They're laundering disinfo and we really should take note. And not support their lies with our wallet, voice or vote. Oh, information laundering is really One more verse. One more. Let's go. To take some lies and make them sound precocious. By saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So disinformation's origin seems slightly less atrocious. <laughs> Whew. Again, I will emphasize, not leaked. Nobody nobody stole that off her computer. It's still in her Twitter account, still in her TikTok, except for she put her, t- her TikTok on private. Why do you do this to me? Why? And Was God. that punitive? Um, yeah. Well, it's obligatory, I suppose. Uh, there goes our timer again. But just uh, just sit tight. Let's, let's take care of the timer once we're finished up with this, all right? Okay. Because I think we have enough time to get through this. And again, apology for the technical issues. But anyway, um, Nina is not just interested in uh, Russian propaganda, you'll be shocked to learn. She is expressly interested in having the federal government regulate speech on the Internet. And uh, she has uh, said that much, uh, said as much multiple times. I posted a a video on this yesterday. You can you can look there for my my full uh, rundown. But what uh, Nina Jankowitz wants to control on the Internet is just mean words that she doesn't like. If you if you uh, want to get a comprehensive summary of her views on speech, you can listen to this NPR interview that she did just two weeks ago. It's about 10 minutes long and it makes very clear what she wants to control is simply criticism and especially hilarious criticism. I will um, link it in the description. I encourage you to listen to the whole thing. It's it's uh, it's only 10 minutes, but here's a. Uh, a minute and a half selection uh, of the highlights. Well, it's a whole spectrum of abuse. Some of it is a little bit more anodyne, you know, men referring to you as girly, dear, princess, sweetie, honey. I get the bimbo uh, slur a lot. Uh, B word, C word often come up. There's a lot of assertions, especially among women who are public facing, uh, voicing their opinions online, that these women must be transgender because otherwise they wouldn't be so assertive. Um, They look for evidence of an Adam's apple or a five o'clock shadow. I've had men say, you birth babies, we build bridges. And then often I get from the far right memes of empty egg cartons, which are sent to women to say that our fertility is declining and we should get back to our homemaking activities. And then there's the more violent stuff. I've had people say, you'll be dealt with in the streets. Uh, You know, if a civil war comes, you're going to be first. You know, I've gotten emails directly to my work account, including just after January 6th, when it was quite tense here in Washington, saying things like, you sound like a hysterical bleeping snowflake lesbo bleep. If I were walking on the street and a crowd of hundreds of people were shouting the insults that we spoke about at me, police would intervene. The onus always falls on the target of the abuse. The platforms aren't doing very much right now. And I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms, what that would look like for the marginalized communities all around the world, which are already shouldering so much of this abuse, disproportionate amounts of this abuse. 
Oh my okay. God. Well, let's put this woman in power. <laughs> what could go wrong? File that with a Sadiq Khan reading tweets calling him a gay muzzy terrorist. I know. This is not abuse. Uh, this just just comes with the territory. Like, what are you even doing online if you can't handle this level of abuse? She makes the case that men never receive this sort of thing. Yes, they do. Whatever. Maybe Tim Pool gets cartons. swatted every four seconds. Yeah, it might just be- like real life abuse, like somebody telling me that they might abuse me in real life one day. That yeah. doesn't count. And she says, well, p- uh, people, if people said these things to me on the street. People saying things to you on the Internet is absolutely not the same thing as people getting in your face on the street. If police were to intervene, it would be because someone was getting physically aggressive with you, getting in your face, following you. It would not be for the content of the speech. You can say you're a stupid bleeping lesbo bleep all you want. Yeah, you can. Police are not going to prosecute. They're not going to arrest you for that unless you persist, despite someone trying to get away from you. Not illegal. But, yep. But um, police are probably not going to intervene because they don't intervene in every argument in the country. And on the Internet, you can block. In real life, you can just walk away. It's only when people yeah. you know, follow you, persist that it becomes a criminal issue. But the crime in that case, stalking, not egg carton memes. And by the way, the egg carton meme is correct. You are, in fact, a hysterical lesbo bleep, which brings right, us that's to just good advice. <laughs> like, Find somebody that will look at your face every day. Well, even though you look like that, she apparently has. So um, what the, the, I, the, uh, her Wikipedia has been hastily constructed over the weekend. Basically, They're, they didn't exist until within the last couple of days. But um, but as far as how this will work, of course, all they have to do is transform. Actually, I got I got too far ahead of myself. I don't want to get to Nina Jankowitz's background just yet. Before that, for her to transform what she views as a threat into some sort of um, enforceable uh, offense that uh, that maybe her board would oversee or have power over, all she has to do is transform those insults into um, a, a perceived threat against national security. Uh, and it would become, yeah. per Mayorkas's description, DHS business. We we oversee threats to U.S. national security. Well, if you call, if you send her an egg carton meme and that's been deemed threat to national security, there you go. So it's very convenient that Nina Jankowitz wrote a piece last year about how online gendered abuse directed against Kamala Harris, AOC, Ilhan Omar and others, including herself, is a national security issue. And our democracy is at stake because of this threat. Now, the argument in this piece is that women are so abused on Twitter and other social me- social media that they self-censor or otherwise decide not to participate in public dialogues, thus reducing women's roles in politics, thus making our society less democratic or some such nonsense. But um, oh, Jankowitz says in the piece, it personally wears down on her own participation. The story reads, quote, it was somewhere between the calls to repeal the 19th Amendment. <laughs> oh, we get the story here. It's like the first I want to read it properly. It was somewhere between the calls to repeal the 19th Amendment and the declarations that I was a traitor who belonged in Guantanamo Bay that the trolls started to wear me down. Well, if you want to talk about threats to repeal the 19th, who has convinced more? I don't mean to discredit you because you have had a lot of impassioned cases made over the years. But I'm pretty sure Nina Jankowitz has persuaded more people to repeal the 19th, to the position of wanting to repeal the 19th. Maybe we should put women in positions of power more. 
Uh, Whoa, I'm having a moment here. I'm having a tranny and women's sports moment. <laughs> is, is Nina Jankowitz exactly the collapsitarian leader that we need? Nina Jankowitz for president. Wow. Well, perhaps we will get there. But as I mentioned, her, her Wikipedia has been hastily constructed. The question is, is she, in fact, an, uh, a cat lady, empty egg carton, lesbo bleep? Uh, unclear. But it alleges that she was married in 2012 to a man named Michael Stein, uh, <laughs> citing some citing some obscure archived central New Jersey website with an oh. old photo. Here is the official record. I gotta uh, see this this man. is from 2012. This is according to Wikipedia, not even, you know, just some random person on Twitter or anything. Uh, no indication as to whether they are still together. Also, no indication of kids. Now, here's another interesting thing. Uh, she is an alumnus of Bryn Mawr College in Pennsylvania. Bryn Mawr is uh, part of the seven sister colleges, historically women's colleges. Uh, the undergrad school where Jankowitz uh, attended does not allow men, but does allow trannies and had uh, and has a significant lesbian enrollment. Indeed, in 2019, <laughs> Bryn Mawr was named the most LGBT friendly school in the country by Princeton Review. So maybe she is a tranny. I think actual cat lady is still highly likely, if not crazier things in Nina Jankowitz's past and present. Oh uh, and I think hysterical bleeping lesbo bleep is also still highly also likely. accurate. Yeah. Uh... So that's where we stand. Uh, that's all I have to say about Miss Jankowitz. Oh, we're going to get the boot. Yeah, we should call. Let's uh, that's a good time to reset because it's forcing us. Let's uh, let's do that. We'll be right back. Thank you for your patience, guys. Okay, great. Um, on this Elon Musk stuff, we're probably gonna have to be quick because I'm running out of time. But I don't know that there's that much that we can say about it that's all that interesting. The it deal, is. I mean, it's not nearly as uh, a done deal as I had expected it to be. There are a lot of things that could still go wrong. That is definitely the most interesting part. Um, we talked about the terms of the deal that were offered last weekend. And those were the terms, as far as I can tell, that were accepted. So I, I feel like we probably by the, have to... By the board of directors, shareholders have not voted on this yet. Correct. Yeah. The board unanimously approved, but shareholders uh, still have to vote on it. And that is one hurdle that we could uh, that we could see coming up. But do you do you want to... I don't think we need to go through the terms again, necessarily. Do you? Nope. Let's talk okay. about Alex Jones. Why are you frozen for me now? Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, of course, uh, the the announcement that Twitter, at least the board, had accepted the deal, uh, the memes flowed after that. And by far the best one that I saw was uh, this edit of Twitter general counsel J.J. Gotti appearing on Joe Rogan with Elon Musk to reinstate Alex Jones's Twitter account. Are you ready for Alex Jones? Sure. Fine. All right. <laughs> oh, I've been ready for Let Alex Jones. Let me pull this up. <laughs> okay. Perfect. They're fucking killing Artie more kids, so you're telling me it isn't real when they had a fucking vote in the goddamn fucking Senate? Right. 
Seriously, that edit is almost seamless. It's uh, good. For a credit, second, I was like, did this happen? Credit yeah. to the creator. You're just hoping uh, it happens exactly like that, but it won't. Not just because there are no guarantees that Alex Jones will be reinstated ever, even if Elon Musk does take over, but because it, it is not going to be VJJ who does it. Politico right. reported on Tuesday that VJJ cried during a staff meeting mm. with the policy and legal team she oversees to discuss what this new uh, ownership could mean for them. The crying is confirmed by a company spokesperson, Trenton Kennedy, says VJJ became emotional when discussing her team's impact on the pride and the pride that she feels in them. Reportedly, she encouraged employees to keep star- uh, keep. I meant striving, but in the notes I put keep starving to do good. <laughs> good, good. Uh, that's a good advice in an inflationary time. Keep starving, everybody, and do do good work at the company. Yep. Except uh, they probably won't because there's no way if you're Elon Musk and you're serious about the, your censorship issue and your free speech philosophy, you can't actually keep any of these people. And maybe you do have to keep a few because they know how to operate things here. But you can't you keep the queen censor JJ. She has no, to go. She's got to go. But did you know that if she does go, she has a twelve and a half million dollar severance package coming her way. So she might like to go. That sounds like a sweet payday. She made seven, 17 million dollars last year. Is she married? I I don't know. I don't know what her What's situation is. What's her actual is. name? I've called her JJ so many times. Vijaya. V-I-J-A-Y-A, Gotti, G-A-D-D-E. So if she's not married, we get one of those male honeypots in. Ah. One of those Dear John types. Yeah. And uh, takes all of her money, right? We can do that, right? Oh, nope. She's married. Married. Damn. Well, Musk is likely no fan of VJJ. He did tweet this on Wednesday, a meme showing the cycle that happened when when Tim Pool and VJJ were... uh, debating on uh, on Joe Rogan's show a couple of years back. But of course, the cycle is that Tim would provide an example of Twitter's left wing bias. VJJ would say, well, we have to take context into consideration. Tim would say Twitter's interpretation of the context is affected by their left wing bias. And VJJ would say, I need an example of that. And the cycle would repeat. Over. One of the best episodes Over. of Joe Rogan of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, and everyone, uh, as everyone worries about Musk's um, possible return, uh, to free speech on the platform, MSNBC host Ari Melber said if Musk takes over, he could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of their candidates or even increase the reach of certain material and reduce the reach of other material. And you might not even find out until after the election. This all sounds horrifying. So dangerous. Ah. You own all of Twitter or Facebook or what have you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even have to be transparent. You could secretly ban one party's candidate or all of its candidates, all of its nominees, or you could just secretly turn down the reach of their stuff and turn up the reach of something else. And the rest of us might not even find out about it till after the election. Elon Musk says this is all to help people because he is just a free speech, philosophically clear, open-minded helper. Hmm. What a shame. Cries out as they strike you, eh? (laughs) okay uh is that a racial thing i don't know i was just talking about journalists no well that is a that is a hate trope i've been informed is it journalists are a protected class now though 
May 70, 76 rise again and all of that or something. Uh, well, 1776 is a hate term of violence, too. It according is. To That's the why I said it. Bizarre uh, quasi prosecution of Marjorie Taylor Greene last week. And going quietly into the night, et cetera. Et cetera oh, right. Cetera. The, that's uh, Randy. What's his face? Quaid or whatever. He, that was his original hateful quote. Uh, well, of course, you can see the bands of Trump and other politicians and the obvious throttling of certain accounts at the uh, at the you know to the benefit of others. The banning of the Hunter Biden laptop story until the truth came out. Yes. After the election. There's no way this guy doesn't know. He's it, come on. It's so preposterously hypocritical. He knows exactly what he's saying. Anyway, <clears throat> the, as you mentioned, I think the most interesting thing is is actually the hurdles that remain, because uh, a lot of people. Well, I, I mean, my, I actually thought this was more of a done deal than it is. I include myself in that. There's there's yeah, a lot of things that ha- that have to be completed. And I would not count on this actually happening as a certainty. I think it's more likely than not, for sure. But there are a lot of things to consider. And we have months until this is actually uh, finalized and realized, not days or weeks or something like that. So what, what has right. to be done in the meantime? Because of the Hart Scott Rodino antitrust improvement act of 76 this includes a mandated waiting period and you're going to talk about the shareholders yeah but um that's a whole thing too and then it has to go through all these um regulatory reviews by the federal government the state of delaware the european commission the uk japan any or all of these processes may introduce concessions force alterations to the terms that have been proposed um, or block the buyout altogether and the agreement expires on October 24th but may be extended for only 6 months. So um all of this they have to go through all of these international regulatory boards which I'm sure are highly bureaucratic within the next what is that? 6 months it's, roughly. Well no, it, it it whatever it is to October and then 6 months if they have to extend. Well yeah, but it's about 6 months to October is what I'm saying. Oh, so probably a year which Could I guess be. is doable. We're not going to know for a year is what I'm saying. And those are the things that have to happen. Well, some of these are things that have to happen too, but these are some things that could go wrong that could also um, cause complication or even prevent the deal from being realized. So Twitter stockholders could reject the deal. Of course, the, um, the deal has to be approved by a majority of Twitter shareholders. A shareholder rejection might not be likely though. Uh, It was previously reported that it was shareholder pressure that brought Twitter to this deal with Musk after initially hesitating um, shareholders would have to think this is a bad deal for whatever yeah. reason. No. I don't think that's particularly likely given the premium price that Musk is agreeing to pay, but still theoretically possible more likely hurdles. I think than outright shareholder rejection is uh Tesla's stock is a part of this too. So remember that uh, $21 billion of the financing is with Elon Musk's own equity. Much of that in the form of Tesla stock. Tesla's stock value dropped off steeply after the announcement of the deal. If it drops too low, the financing of the deal could be in jeopardy. Tesla stock dropped 11% this week. But as we discussed, it was a brutal day and week and month uh, for stocks overall, not just for Tesla. Now, of course, if that happens, it doesn't mean that Elon Musk can't find a way to finance this another way. He, he right. Clearly, I don't think he's buying Twitter for a wise financial investment. He's buying Twitter on a principle. Of course. Yeah. And so if Tesla, if the value of Tesla stock is not sufficient to meet the terms of the deal, I would expect he would probably find another way to meet that financing rather than just bail. But it is a complication that that we should be aware of. Um, Elon Musk's tweets 
might actually get him in trouble. And of course, he's been posting all sorts of hilarity about Twitter and and other topics. But his tweets and other public commentary have moved markets before and attracted SEC investigation before. Per this deal, Musk is actually prohibited from saying anything publicly that could disparage the company or any of its representatives. That's some of the phrasing. He, of course, he's already disparaged for JJ uh, and others. But a source familiar with the deal says that uh, this clause only applies to commentary about the deal itself, mm-hmm. not commentary about Twitter or its staff generally. But still, I, you know, the more he tweets, the more I think there might be some some bait for regulators to jump in and uh, meddle with it to the extent they might want to. The other thing is there's a there's a low split fee on this. So split fee meaning what the parties have to pay if they bail uh, and, right. and either party could change their mind and walk away from this fairly easily. So whether it's the financing or the tweets or it's just some other reason entirely, either party could walk away and only have to pay the other a billion dollars. And that sounds like a lot of money and it is, but it's not $44 million. Yeah. Although he that, only put up 21, right? Elon Musk personally, I forget what his personal share of, of that is. He put up 21. There's like 13 from some bank and then there's some Tesla. Yeah. Uh, anyway, in the context of the $44 billion deal, not actually that high. So analysts uh, say that the low breakup fee may be an indicator in low confidence in the deal materializing by the parties, uh, to this actual agreement. So we will have to see just point being Elon Musk, Twitter deal, certainly not a done deal. People wondering uh, what's behind all sorts of oddities on Twitter throughout the week, uh, accounts coming back, uh, conservative leaning accounts, getting way more followers and interaction and all that. It's not publicly known what's causing that. Twitter says it's organic, that it's just people coming back to the platform because of the news. Uh, Mm -hmm. Another theory would be that Twitter uh, in anticipation of this deal is just uh, burning a lot of uh, filing cabinets, just getting Probably, rid of evidence yeah. of things on the way out. Could yeah. be something like that, too. I'm sure they are. So bottom line, we're going to be watching this for a while. It's not something that is a done deal anytime. How soon. Disappointing. I want it now. Well, uh, you've tried to log in. You tried to log in Wednesday and it, you were still locked out. Right? I did. I've issued several appeals. Ugh, maybe <laughs> I've heard nothing. Maybe one day. All right, Where's let's my get... buffalo? What's that from? Uh, Simpsons? Simpsons? I don't uh, remember that one. I know oh, my Simpsons joke about immediate gratification. Moe is like, I got this deep fryer. To fr- it'll fry a whole buffalo in 45 seconds. Yeah. And Homer's like, where's my buffalo? Uh, I don't remember that one. Anyway, I want the immediate gratification of this deal happening now. I don't really want to wait a year. Because yeah. I've, already, I've already got the dopamine hit of like winning one. Yeah. But that was premature. And- how, how much do you want to bet that the regulatory hurdles will... Take us at least a, a day or two past the midterm elections. Oh, man, yeah, really? uh, that's that's odd. Oh, God, we're going to have to cover all that. It's going to be so boring. <laughs> well, we'll do our best, as we always do. Hey, here's one that's not boring. It's your hoax hate this week. It's back. And now the nobody saw it happen, but it's totally a product of Trump's America hoax hate crime of the week. Shit, it's backwards. You think they'll notice? In Chesterfield, Virginia, a family is seeking justice after they say their son was a victim of a hate crime that happened at a party (laughs) two years ago. Oh, come on, man. Walk it off. He was 16 at the time. He drank too much. He passed out. And other partygoers apparently wrote racist things on his face with a Sharpie or another marker. 
They put a sex toy on him and they also draped a Confederate flag over him. This happened nearly two years ago, but these <laughs> photos right here show what happened to the then 16 year old unconscious with racial slurs and images drawn all over his face. The Chambers family says it happened at a party after the boy drank too much and then fell asleep. He has suffered at the hands of hate and bullying. We demand justice. We demand. Crystal Chambers tells us the day after the party, her son found photos of himself on social media hate symbols drawn on his face and a sex toy placed on his back. In another image, a Confederate flag is draped over Jerry while he was in the bathroom. The trauma related to, to, to this hate crime has just been devastating to our entire family. We've been literally fighting to save our son's life from September of 2020 to the present. His parents say on September 14th of 2020, they notified the Powhatan Sheriff's Office about what had happened but they say they didn't receive any support until the end of last year. We reached out to the Powhatan Sheriff's Office about the incident. They released a statement saying in September of 2020, the family was unsure if they wanted to file a police report due to concerns they had with the legal process. The Sheriff's Office says the family came back in December of 2021, saying they now wanted to proceed with an investigation. However, when deputies identified all involved, they couldn't charge anyone because state law requires charges of assault and battery be placed within one year of the offense. To this day, Crystal says she doesn't know who did this to her son. And he presented these in person on September 14th of 2020. And we're waiting for law enforcement to identify these individuals. Dude, walk it off. <laughs> Come on. It's like this is some drunken thing that happened. It's fine. At least your son's hanging out with white kids. Just fine. Just shut up, <laughs> Mom. Shut up. It's okay. The dildo uh, is white, and the parents were not acting black or talking black at all. That kid was hanging out with white kids. We don't know. That's not publicly disclosed. Black kids not do that. The handwriting was also very good. There was so a. I will say there was a properly true. oriented swastika. It's there censored was, in this image. And did you see how all the the N word, all the letters, they just aligned perfectly? It was just it's excellent part of the uncensored image that I can't show you, but um, yeah. But okay, regardless of uh, the the uh, demographics of whoever may or may not have been involved in this, does your son go to parties with Klansmen and Hitler Youth? Who they have to be his friends or at least acquaintances? Of course, they He's, would be. Otherwise, I mean, he would be so lucky to be friends with people like that. <laughs> with the Klansmen and the Hitler Youth. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I doubt that's the situation. Um, there are probably people who are, who are friendly with this particular kid. But second, and this is the more important question. Why would you wait a full year and three months after the fact to file a police report and seek investigation? Unless you know that you're beyond the statute of limitations and you can make a big deal about this publicly now. Oh, are they? Without yeah. having to deal with the embarrassment of uh, the investigation finding that it was just your son's dumbass friends making some dumbass jokes. In the sheriff's department's full statement in the story, uh, some details. In September 2020, this is when the incident happened. The family asked about filing a police report, but was unsure because of concerns about the process. So the sheriff offered an appointment to discuss concerns. The family did not attend the appointment. So the sheriff, uh, the sheriff contacted them twice more. And the family said, we don't want to file a police report or conduct a criminal investigation. Then the family came forward. Why are you talking about this now? Then? A year and three months later, December 2021. And said, OK, we do want an investigation. 
And so the sheriff's department did the investigation. They Why? found out who was involved. They They're not disclosing who it is, I believe, because they were minors at the time. And generally, you don't get names of minors most in most cases. But they found out who was involved. And they didn't file any charges because those charges would have had to have they, they had to come within a year. And they did not. They were outside of that year window. The sheriff and uh, the prosecutors in, in the county can't bring charges. So the appropriate question is not for the sheriff's department. The appropriate question is for the family. Why did you wait for over a year to say you want an investigation? And Dude, then I bet this kid is so pissed off at his mom. And then you want legally impossible charges. And the answer, of course, is personal enrichment with no accountability. There is a fresh GoFundMe set up oh, there for it, it is. Already over $4,000 raised. Again, um, ask the family. And I, I make a plea to the journalists covering this story. Ask the family. If this was so damaging, as you described, you've been tr- just trying to help your son survive for the last year and a half. Why did you wait for that full year and a half to start raising money off of it? Why didn't you start raising money immediately after he was so damaged? And if you're curious, yes, GoFundMe does have an uncensored photo. You can see all the details of the veiny dildo. You can see the sharp, crisp corners of that swastika. There's also a penis drawn on his face. You can see all of that. It's a funny penis. It's a funny provided by the family. I will link the GoFundMe. uh, Before we move on, I know that we are short on time, but this mom has just fucked up this kid's life terribly. So he's hanging out with some nice white kids that are, you know, up to some drunken We don't antics. know that. We, do, we don't are, I know am, that. I am so sure right. that they're white. Right. I'm so sure that they're white. And then she makes it so that he never gets invited to any parties other, ever again. And then everybody knows that his mom is like this overbearing hag um, and this money grubber. Well, I think a lot of people buy the premise. I mean, four, four grand, including uh, some of them that are just coming in like as we stream. A lot of people apparently are buying this as a legitimate thing. Like so nothing like this has ever happened to you in your life. I've woken up with cracker written um, on my face dozens of times. <laughs> I've never had exactly this happen to me, but it's happened to friends and yeah. I've never done it to someone either, but I've seen things like this happen. Yeah. 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 As you know, it's just the, the uh, stuff the other, that was written was different. Yeah. The other thing about this story is uh, it was reported that the son talk about the son being embarrassed. Jerry Chambers is the name of the son. I guess he's 18 now or very close to that. Uh, he was supposed to scheduled to have a, a press conference today. He was going to speak publicly about this today. So he's on, I assume, on board with his mom. But I could not find uh, coverage or a stream of that earlier today. Maybe that information is out uh, now or coming soon. I hope he dipped but, out because he knew this was social suicide. Well, he, he appears to be on board with his mom. And I'll, I will have to have a listen to his uh, public commentary. Jeez. Anyway, time for... The movie review. In a world of movie references flying over his head, one man will finally watch them. This is the Matt and Blonde Show movie review. This week's movie is the 1975 Jack Nicholson classic One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, in which a tricky convict manipulates his way from a work farm to a mental institution and inspires new life in the residence only to lose his own in a battle with an overbearing nurse in the film adaptation of the novel 
by the same name from uh, movie picker Michael, a favorite of the anti-establishment liberals in 1975 Cuckoo's Nest. In these modern times, maybe one of the most based films out there, the hero McMurphy should be an inspiration to those on the right. As always, your thoughts and your rating. Yeah, I've always loved this movie. So on its face, it seems like it's a movie about insanity, but that's not really what it's about. It's about freedom. And it reminded me of 1984 in that a certain personality type, um, even one that yearns for freedom or believes in freedom will eventually become extinguished if isolated in a, in a wholly oppressive environment, exactly what happened to Winston Smith and, and McMurphy. So whether or not McMurphy was a bad guy, he was kind of a dick or the other guys were actually insane. I don't know that it really matters that much. I see a lot of people online kind of focusing on that. I think too much. The whole point is that even the most confident and and boisterous human spirit um when met with completely inflexible behavior like like a nurse ratchet or or even cruelty can be worn down and exhausted um and then confined and then eventually you know eventually he dies um i know a lot of people think this movie is a comedy it has it has its moments but i find that nurse ratchet is a terrifying character and the inmates outside of chief have little chance to ever have uh, even momentary happiness or fulfillment in their, in their lives. So I've always thought that this was um, a really tragic and dark and haunting film. Always loved it. Rewatched it pretty recently. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Mm. And I have no idea. I have no idea what you're going to think. If you had to take a guess, what would you think? I don't know. I think you liked it. I, Probably uh, some of these themes appeal to you. File it in movies that I actually enjoyed thinking about later than watching. Okay, that's a good uh, sign. Than actually right? sitting down and watching, which is kind yeah. of it's sort of an underhanded compliment, but it was one of those. And uh, I'll, I'll get to my rating after I share my thoughts. But uh, some things I appreciated: uh, the mentally ill can easily pass for doctors. I, I loved that scene. I Just, like that scene where they're like. I don't know if that was the intent to show that uh, if you just you, you apply the label doctor and you can get away with literally anything. And <laughs> yeah. there's little visual distinction between mentally ill hobo and doctor. People will believe that's a doctor with a crazy beard or something. Yeah. Uh, it just it was particularly relevant to the last couple of years, too. No matter what, you're watching a theft in progress, but you're told uh, it's a doctor doing it. Oh, well, this changes everything. This changes I'll everything, see yeah. myself out. Yeah. That was really funny. Just a brief moment in the movie. The one I found a lot of value in, though. But uh, as far as the broader value of the movie, just the, the value of energy and optimism against the black pill. Uh, McMurphy is such a great character to find joy and and purpose in taking on the hopeless. Yeah. And he's not fully successful in that endeavor. He's partially successful and it costs him his life, of course, but it just goes to show that even when you are dealing with actual abuse, actual tyranny, if you want to put it that way, you maintain your spirit to laugh, to make jokes and to find hope and reason to persist. Even if it is actually basically hopeless. Um, yeah. McMurphy's ability I I wrote in the review uh, other than his uh, statutory rape issue, which but she said she was 18. <laughs> other than that, I do agree that we should find inspiration in that sort of uh, in that sort of character. 
And um, you got to you touched on some of these themes, uh, just a, a commitment to commitment and the voluntary choice of imprisoning ourselves. Of course, when McMurphy finds out that a lot of the people there are voluntarily there, he kind of loses it. What, what are you guys doing? You could leave any time. All you do is bitch about this place. You could leave and you don't. And yet he basically does that himself. He, he could have escaped um, with the bus. He could have escaped on the boat. He could have done it when he planned to do it with Chief and then he drank too much <laughs> and just slept through it anyway. And it, it's just a lesson. There are there are few prisons that are more confining than those that we choose for ourselves. Of course, you can be held against your will. It's, it's very possible. But we imprison ourselves within our own minds in various ways sometimes without even realizing it instead Mm -hmm. of focusing on limitations and surrendering to those limitations, a lot can happen when you put your mind to breaking free Yeah, and uh, maintaining the sort of McMurphy attitude and commitment to doing that. And lastly, I appreciated the metaphor of the chief. Um, Just, just another person to emulate Uh, speak softly, be unassuming, even disguise yourself when it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. But, but be capable of great and dangerous things. You don't have to advertise your skill set. You don't have to be the most obvious person in the room, but if you're capable of great and dangerous things and you can deploy them when needed, that is tactically advantageous. So, um, you know, when, when things, when, when shit really hits the fan, uh, chief is the one who wins. And there's a reason That's for true. that. Yep. The worst, I actually can't say that much negative about this movie other than kind of what the chatter was getting at, which was, I just, the entertainment value was lacking for me. It's another one that just takes forever to get going it's almost an hour before they're actually on the boat and doing some stuff outside of the uh the mental institution and some of the bigger themes of the movie are starting to come out now i get character driven movie though i totally understand that that to show the change in these characters and the the uh sort of belief in escaping that horrible inside that horrible inside of the institution has to be established. I get it. The characters have to be established. I just think there were a lot of things that went on way long that didn't really serve that purpose and establish those points. Like the ridiculous extension of the world series bit. Like I get it. She's not going to let you have a vote. It's enraging. I Uh, love that. It goes on and on and on the basketball scenes outside. Like, okay. I, this could be cut down. We could get to the point quicker. And, for me, I just like I said, it's one of those I just didn't really enjoy watching, but enjoyed thinking about later. Then it's a good movie. So, did you? What did you give it? I talked my well, I almost talked myself into a four, but I left it at a three. And, and it's oh, a movie okay. I I enjoyed, um, and I I honestly I could recommend it, um, but I I don't think it's one that I am eager to sit down and and watch again. So I gave it a three, Ugh. teetering on a four. Because I liked it after. Okay. I'll allow it. So. Fine. Next week is Last of the Mohicans, right? That is the result. Uh, As far as the audience reaction, they're right there. They're right there with you and me, actually. Um, Four wikis leading the the leading answer in the early vote uh, of people who have seen the film. Three wikis uh, right after that. Not a lot of hate for it, though. Not a lot of people giving it ones and twos. Last of the Mohicans is up for next week i know nothing about it other than it is a 1992 movie about uh french and indian wars that's all i know daniel day lewis oh he's in it okay hells yeah he's in it all right uh the uh the nominees for the week after that 
again, the movie nominator for the month is listener Michael. The outlaw Josie Wales mid is it just midsummer? I asked that before. That's how I pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Richard Jewell, the hunt, the enforcer breaking away. Or, of course, you can reject the list and vote for a randomly selected top rated movie. Instead, as a reminder, if you'd like to read my movie reviews, comment how wrong I am, submit your own rating, vote for the next movie and sign up for the chance to be the movie nominator for the month. The one and only place to do it is in my weekly movie review column linked in the description and over on the homepage of the website. That is mattchristensenmedia.com. And that will do it. Let's catch up with uh, our chatters. Sure. Okay. I made this all small, so it might be hard for me to read. Hmm. Hillbilly Deluxe. The declining economy is a good thing because eventually you will hit rock bottom. Then the only direction you can go from there is up. Oh, I can't wait. I know. I'm looking forward to it as well. Yeah. Look. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) What great (laughs) times. Citizen Seven. Someone should tell Malcolm Nance that Ukraine isn't a democracy. Zelensky shut down opposition media and outright. Um. Oh crap. Uh, and outright banned opposition political parties. He's fighting on the side of a dictatorship. I honestly don't think that they would care though. There goes our timer again. Son of a bitch. What are we going to do? Let's just go ahead and take care of it. And then uh, we'll probably get through chat with uh, our time after that. All right. Thank you for patience guys. I swear I'm going to fix this for next week. All right. All right. Okay. Um, Ah, crap. This messed everything up. Do you Um, have anything ready? (laughs) I can. Yeah. Well, we are so professional at this. uh, I know. Six years. Like we've been doing this for six years. So good. I know exactly what I'm doing. Uh, Yeah, I can. uh, I can read some off Tippy Stream here. The Let's see. I think it was Phil. Phil has another one here. Uh, the rulers of this country will use foreigners to try to block their. The, oh, wait, no, I did read this one from Phil. Oh, uh, I'm ready. If you hollow. Want OK, let me just read through these, though, okay. uh, and we'll get back to YouTube. Hollow says war escalation thoughts. Oh, I'm about a decade younger than you. And we knew uh, somewhat about our teachers private lives. And it was pretty normal. Blonde, uh, do you have a financial background? Both of uh, your thoughts on crypto, no advice. Well, that's a lot of questions. Uh, war escalation, I think we kind of got to earlier in the stream. Uh, what it was seems the first question? That was the first question. War escalation oh, okay. thoughts. Seems like it's being begged for by uh, by certain personalities of uh, progressive persuasion. Yeah, it's 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 an inevitability. I, uh, I have no I have no desire to escalate any form of war. However, self-defense is a moral imperative. And if these people keep coming at you uh, in various ways, I, I don't mean just the traditional uh, physically coming after you sets. I mean, in destroying the pillars of our country. Yeah, <clears throat> you have to defend your country in the same way you would defend yourself. And if they are actively betraying their oaths to the Constitution, our, our declaration says something about that. I don't yes, know what other way to put it. Um, about a decade younger than you, we knew somewhat about our teachers' private lives. It was pretty normal. I I knew basically nothing. I knew nothing. About, yeah. yeah. So maybe that's a changing times thing. I remember my um, teacher telling me she was getting divorced, like telling the class she was getting divorced. And I remember thinking, why are you hmm. telling us this? 
Blonde, do you have a financial background? I do. I do. Yeah. I majored in economics and finance and did a bunch of financial jobs, mostly drunk, but I learned some stuff. Both of your thoughts on crypto, no advice. I personally am generally a big fan of the technology. Uh, that's not investment advice, as you're saying. But the idea that you could not just have um, transactions, uh, but all sorts of agreements between parties verified and executed by a decentralized network, instead of having a bank or some other third party verify these transactions or verify an agreement between parties or any number yeah. of things that you yeah. could do this in a decentralized in a way that's not controlled by some centralized third party. I think that the potential it represents for the liberation of finance and all sorts of other things is awesome. Um, I think that it's a little technologically wonky for a lot of people to get into. And of course, the yeah. other hurdle that I worry about constantly as is someone who is, is, well, yeah, it, I am a believer in crypto as a technology and as a store of value. However, um, you just, and even if you're, there's no bank that you're dependent on, you are dependent on the infrastructure of the internet and you are dependent on access to a variety of things. You could locally store your wallet, but even so you gotta, you gotta network with other people to achieve that. And yeah, yeah, whenever the, if the internet is mandatory, that's a cursing and, uh, well, that's a blessing and a curse is what I'm trying to say. The internet makes a yeah, lot of great yeah. things possible. It also has inherent vulnerabilities and crypto can be taken from you depending on the forces yeah, yeah. that are I trying to take I agree with all it. of that. I worry all the time about crypto. I, I mainly, I'm not a huge champion of crypto, but I own some because I think it's important for um, financial diversity. The only time I want diversity in my life hmm. is in my portfolio. It's just the banks not, oh, you're talking not even, uh, you're talking just about diversity of financial assets in general. For sure. Yeah. yeah gotcha. Yeah. Um, are you good over there? Uh, one more, no, two more, uh, funny how the African, how, how an African buying a private company has caused the, uh, dims, the Dems, the dims to now support, uh, changing section two thirty. weird world. We live in when the uh, orange guy was right. Once again, just as soon as it looks like, uh, fa the, like fairness will be applied peripherally. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, well, I, I guess in fairness to them, they've been in favor of federal regulation of a whole bunch of stuff for a good long while now. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but yeah uh, Disney is a private company. Elon Musk taking Twitter private is not a private company. Take your pick of the reasoning of the day. Yep. Uh, Hypnagogic Monk says Cuckoo's Nest uh, movie is completely different from the book. Book is focused on the chief with themes of guilt and freedom along with the... Uh, the heavy psychosis. Uh, Colian uh, Noir's latest video about the Florida sheriff is a must see. God bless. Well, he does make uh, good material. I've good not material. seen that one in particular, but as far as uh, gun content on YouTube, he is certainly up there. Uh, so thank you. All right. We're uh, good over there. Peter R. Finally heard those magic words from my wonderful wife yesterday. I'm sick of New York. Sick of these taxes, the crime, the filth. Uh. May have taken a little while, but she got there. Um, I hear I was expecting a pregnancy ah! announcement, but instead it was we're getting out of New York. That might be even better news. Uh, yeah, I, really. I don't know what it's like to live there, but I imagine that's exciting to leave. I picked a good one. Love the show, guys. Congratulations. Yeah, that's that's huge. Um, I didn't miss any, did I? No. Okay. Esoteric Unbound. I, for one, think the creation of a federal disinformation commission is long overdue. Since 2017, the quality of government disinfo has been pretty sad. The feds used 28... Um, 2B? Oh, 2B. This is too small. I'm going to have to enlarge it. Uh, to be better at maintaining the pretense of competence. That's true. 
Yeah, maybe it is long overdue. There there are some government-produced memes out there, though, occasionally, aren't there? It's not never. It's just not common. Not common, yeah. I need to start start a collection of government-produced memes. Yeah. I don't know that we have a federal bureau for that. Well, maybe maybe we do. Maybe we Mm -hmm. will now. Um, Robin D. Banks, yeah, if the economy is great right now, guys, if you ignore the evolution of economy um, in the past two years, if you ignore the actual numbers in the total, in total, and in context, if you ignore the price of everything. Yeah, if you ignore everything that matters, the economy is great. You're, you're supposed to ignore your own personal finances. You're supposed to go to the grocery store, see that it costs more than it used to, note that it's making a bigger dent in your bank account or on your credit card or whatever you use than yeah. it used to, and think, no, 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 this is fine. It's um, fine. For yeah. reasons X, Y, and Z, presumably I'm supposed to believe that more money is coming to my bank account later to make up for the difference. Yeah. Good luck with that faith, I guess. That's what you're hanging on to. Autumn Dorsey. That's a very pretty name. Um, I started listening to your show when I started my chemistry degree, and it feels only right to donate a few shekels for my first paycheck at the crime wow. lab. Keep on being awesome. That's probably a cool too. job. Oh, my crime God. Lab. I bet she sees some shit, right? But if you end up in a situation like that other uh, young lady uh, at the Wisconsin State Crime Lab, went through where you have to destroy a piece of history like the kyle rittenhouse rifle you say my heart goes out to you i cannot do such a thing i will not participate i have to resign immediately no congratulations that's really cool uh and i and yeah i'm sure you do see some shit i bet that is pretty cool does she dorsey some stuff (laughs) i don't know well thanks and thanks for thinking of us with your uh brand new paycheck Robin D. Bangs, LOL, look here, bingus. You're going to starve and or be poor for the foreseeable future. It's not my fault. Hail Moloch. Sorry, I had a stroke. <laughs> Joe Biden, 2022, colorized. Whatever the drug uh, cocktail they feed him uh, usually was not correctly mixed for that particular. No. Do you think it's episode. like what they gave Judy Garland in the mornings? It's like meth, and then at night it's barbiturates. He's going to be the first president to overdose from quaaludes or something yeah. weird. Um, incompetent hands, 30. They said fair share sounds good to me. They said common sense. So, of course, I agree. They said private companies. So I nodded my head. Now there's a Department of Truth run by the feds. <laughs> yeah. true. Well, that's kind of the thing I was getting into yesterday, too. It's like you just everything is always incremental. It's always the it's a private company, you know, blah, blah, blah. All these stupid qualifiers. Yeah. It's like the more we chip away at just the cultural value of free speech. The, the you you travel more and more down this road until you get to well no it's not really a federal board of truth declaration yeah. it's something okay i mean this sort of thing we'll have to see what type what type of action they try to take uh and how, when this actually goes to the courts if it ever does i actually wonder given the amount of pushback will any of this even happen at least publicly Biden crashed and burned on his ATF nominee after that got a lot of pushback and Congress uh, really dug into Mr. Chipman. Bill right. And if it comes died. to fruition, are they going to be totally ineffectual too? And, and the announcement was really weird too, because it kind of just leaked in Politico. And then Mayorkas got a couple of questions about it at the, at the uh, committee hearings in the house. And he right. even admitted in that interview on CNN this morning, uh, we kind of botched the, launch of this and i'm wondering did you ever intend a launch right or was this just a thing and then nina jankowitz came out and said well cat's out of the bag now and described it so she clearly was somewhat surprised by the news getting out was it the intent to announce it in a different way or was it the intent just never to announce it 
I don't know. I mean, it remains to be seen. We'll probably never find out unless there's a dismal failure of a rollout. Then we'll know that it was never meant to be. Um, Nicholas H. Blonde, I'm CFP, Certified Financial Planner, I guess. Uh, you do a great job explaining economic stuff, especially for a woman. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. What I'm a compliment. Do you accept pretty it, Pretty smart. No, don't put me in charge. <laughs> um, chubby stubby midterms, the fix, I mean, fortification is already in. They got away with it and don't care to even hide it now. Expect lots of inve- investigations and recounts with newly discovered suitcases of ballots for any lefty losses. I totally agree. Totally uh, agree. This is going to be an interesting show come uh, early November. Biden's ass crack says whisper. They're not your kids. They're for my sniffing pleasure. Normal. Uh, where's my hacky sacky circle back? I should have. I read the, the part. Yeah, you got to you got to actually whisper it <laughs> in the way that he said. It's so dumb. Did I just finish a super chat talking about how I'm so smart? You read it like Biden would <laughs> whisper. <laughs> that's a great. That was a great moment. Put the kids in the laptop on a hard drive. Gas is high. Like Hunter. Yeah. I'm sorry I fucked up your super chat. Biden's ass crack. Just, yeah. It's late. My brain. Something, something. Rainier Chen. Hi, guys. Long time. No chat. How are you doing? Just dropping by to say hi and let you know I'm still alive and watching you. Keep it. Keep alive. Stay alive. Yeah, that's a good goal these days. <laughs> no, family's great. Um, sun yeah. is right on the cusp of the crawl. So waiting for that uh, any day here. And, um, you know, as we've talked about many times. Uh, children provide purpose and distraction from the discouragement of the real oh, yeah. world out there. And this is uh, certainly a very discouraging time, you know, of all the times to dive into uh, adopting dependence into my uh, adopting is a weird word. But being a, a man of the house with a dependence uh, is certainly new to me in my life. And it's a very unsettling time to take on such responsibility, you know, so. Uh, it's I feel fun like it, though. Kids are a lot of fun. Yeah, it's just it's it's double frustrating when you feel like these people are. Ro- I don't feel like it. They are robbing from us in every way possible, and yeah. it's very frustrating to experience that as a father with with a wife who's taking care of my son, bearing the financial responsibility for that family, knowing that they're stealing from me and lying about yeah, it's, it. Yeah, it's it's infuriating. Yeah, you yeah. just gotta focus on the little moments in yeah, exactly. the family. That's it's, the way to get by. And that's a challenge, but it's still what you have to do. Not that you excuse what they're doing to all of us. You keep an eye on that too. But if I were to allow all of that to get me down so far that I didn't enjoy what is a defining moment and year in my life, um, well, then they win, don't they? Yeah. So I can't let them have that. Oh, I was yeah. going to tell you, Emmeline said her first sentence this week. Oh, <laughs> do I dare ask what the sentence was? Those are boobies. Ah, that's very appropriate, I guess. Yeah. And she'd like smack my boob. And then yeah. she put on my bra and she's like, these are boobies. She wore your bra. She'll, yeah, she'll put oh, on my bra. Okay. And yeah. Well, right. uh, she's uh, an anatomy student in training, I guess. Of all the things she could have said. <laughs> um, John Hoyle, is America first collapsing? I had hopes for them, high hopes for them, but it looks, di- I don't know anything about this. I would be the wrong person to ask. I have seen uh, Twitter back and forth among people I follow. Um, I assume America first referring to Nick Puentes and yeah, some of the, the Groiper personalities. I don't know anything about that. I see people uh, 
arguing about things that were done or were not done. I'm the wrong guy to ask, though. I just don't know. Me, I too am the wrong guy to ask. I don't know. A bomb dropped on me. A big donation. Thank you so much. Big fan. Stay smexy. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, and I thank appreciate you, it. I'm not going to be niggardly. And, and to the thing I was just discussing, you know, I want to I want to emphasize and I hope everybody out there who chooses to support the show uh, understands how sincerely grateful I am for that. Because, uh, well, I mean, it's what started as just kind of a fun Sunday night activity and still is. It's uh, our job. <laughs> when, when things get tougher and when families are at stake, you know, there's a lot of, of pressure to sustain and um and i just appreciate everybody who's who's keeping us on the air uh despite all of those forces it's not just susan censorship forces it's the financial realities at stake yeah. uh, in play yeah. too so just uh you know a uh, special shout out as always to um to our chatters and and people who support the show in other ways too it's uh it really is a, a community effort and without you guys it's just it's not it's not feasible to make this show with the level of you might question the level of effort given some technical difficulties here and there a lot but i assure it, you though, yeah the amount of time it takes to make the show you guys are buying that time and uh if yeah, it weren't for yeah. you i'd have to uh sell that labor somewhere else and this community thing is no joke people came out of the woodworks like local people to hand deliver my brother like five pounds of barbecued meat that they made yeah. and stuff it was it was just incredible and you know he's just my brother I'm like wow this it, it was just so so touching. It's like this community, it's it's real. So like we help each other out, you know? I guess what I'm saying is I've never been more uh, worried about the immediate future. <laughs> well, <laughs> as we hear all the time, I'm touched by this community routinely. Oh, yeah. Um, you no, touch never, them too. I've never been more worried about the immediate future, but I, I've never, I mean, I, I have such a high level of appreciation and confidence in in everybody who uh, who chooses to to keep us going that, you know, I remind myself of that too. So uh, we so outlasted this. Uh, this is we are here. What is it called, Elijah and Sydney show? You D are. They're here. done. I saw some. They're done, and it's under like suspicious circumstances. I can't get any information huh. from people about it. Like Sydney wrote this cryptic message on YouTube about how she was super pissed about it, but she can't talk about it. And then the show's on like permanent so, hiatus. So here's what we do: is we get each of them to come on our show. And, and then uh, tell spill us the these beans, secrets. And then we capitalize on their success and uh, mm. launch into the future. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. No, it's, uh, I didn't know they were officially done, but um, but I'm sure they'll be doing their. Does anyone know why? They're talented people. I'm sure they'll be doing something successful either way. Um, das Pooch, DNC chair and media saying, don't play by the rules. It's just the signal being broadcast that everyone on their side has permission to cross every line. It's a declaration of war. Here, here. True words I, have never been spoken. Yeah, yeah, as far as what they're saying on MSNBC, what? How else are you supposed to interpret it? Uh, if yeah. it's just exaggeration, it's uh, exaggeration throughout, with no exception. <clears throat> Long Don John, Matt and I have never once made love. He is a good, straight, white family man, and is way above such alphabet people degeneracy. This comment is deemed misinformation by the Biden Truth Board. <laughs> uh, thank you for the kind words. I'm sorry about the censorship. I appreciate it. I do. I have it under good authority that Matt is a huge homosexual. So chimp in a bow tie. Wait, wait. Um, Shut up, silly woman. <laughs> That's my new favorite one. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Pity British deal, uh, diesel drivers were paying the equivalent of eleven seventeen per gallon. Families will soon be choosing between heating or eating. Groceries are through the roof. That is just outrageous. 
Ah, oh, man. Well, and I know in the U.S. it's uh, that's such an insane gas price in the U.S. too. It's a the 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 increased cost for the average family on a monthly basis is hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars per year. It's not trivial things like, oh, man, uh, I guess my grocery bill is up 20 bucks or something. I guess yeah. maybe I'll have yeah. to eat. Uh, maybe I'll have to buy uh, generic TV dinners instead of the fancy Amy's ones or something like that. This is very thousands of dollars a year is make or break on several serious and large yeah. purchases. Mm-hmm. It really this is. This is going to be hugely yeah. consequential. Um, ex-lightbringer Blonde has addressed the nation. Putin said that one of his objectives of the operation is denazification of Ukraine. So let me get this straight. Do you support Ooh. it or not? Um, Good question. Do you think that he meant it though? <laughs> If I were president, I would also be talking all the time about eradicating Nazis and whatever else people wanted to hear. Well, the Russians and the Nazis have historically been enemies. That's true. That's true. He gotcha. He really cornered you there. I know. I I don't know. Did you think it really means it? I don't, I don't think so. I don't know enough about the the history of the region and i know the the azov battalion which is usually assigned the nazi title i've seen the photos where they got the swastika flags and and they um i guess what i'm confused by and this sounds like a stupid question i guess but i have a stupid understanding of the region if they're like neo-nazis flying the swastika on behalf of ukraine why are they fighting on behalf of a jewish president i don't understand that's a that, valid question. Yeah. I'm sure maybe there's a simple man's explanation for that, but that I just find that bizarre. Um, IWD. Thank you. Seagram's Jen. Just a reminder, the ministry of truth comes out of Homeland security, which only exists because of that piece of S emotional reaction called the Patriot act. Although things went wrong long before then, but I, I do agree with you to some great degree. Um, AP, believe it or not, I work for a company that designs a part of those food plants. We put on explosion vents because them exploding is perfectly normal. That being said, what happened is way too convenient for even myself. Yes. I'd imagine there are a lot of things that could explode, but there Hmm. was like a 700% increase year over year. Yeah. It's uh, and then you have the bizarre incidents like the plane crash. Which aren't and the fertilizer by, plants too, yeah. Are, Although there would definitely be more explosions. I'm sure those. that it's more common than we realize, but I don't think it's as common as it as it has been this year. Anyway, thank you, thank you for the info. Appreciate it. Uh, Robin D. Banks, me, blonde. You and I aren't dumb. We should totally vote. Also, me sees Nina Durkowachowitz or whatever. <laughs> me then dangs Baggett Becca. Okay, okay. Repeal the 19th this month. And I must say, I know it's it's a constant battle between me being like. I'm so smart. And then me doing something really dumb and being like, I shouldn't vote or any other woman. Shut up. Um, Silly woman. We do need a nickname for I, I looking at the, the Jerkowitz or whatever it was. Jankowitz, right? Uh, she needs a wiki wiki style name. How yeah. did I give her one? Yeah. Jerka wiki wiki. I, I don't know. There's got to be something there. Jerka wiki. I'll have to figure um, it out. I should just dangerous. not. I, it's got to be better than Jankowitz. <laughs> dangerous basis. Uh, somebody will let you know. Uh, government in power deciding what is true mere months before an election. That's not corrupt at all. Thank God you voted out the fascist. Am I right? Am I right? Uh, yeah. Well, and that was the other understated part about uh, the MSNBC interview with the DNC chair. She said, uh, let's talk about the other side, the fascists. And he just agreed with that premise. Like yeah. The, the, okay. <laughs> now I get that. Um, if you asked me, do you think that there are fascists in the democratic party? I would say yes. And I would give you reasons why 
I'm not saying that it's totally out of bounds to say that against your political opposition where you believe it applies. I'm just saying that in terms of the political etiquette, the decorum in this country, for the chair of a major party to just nod along in saying that members of the opposite party universally was the premise are fascists, Mm -hmm. the fascists of the other party. That's kind of significant. That That's yeah. pretty amazing. Uh, and then you get into the war talk. Well, it's like if you grant the premise that the other party is all fascists, the war talk tends to follow, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just subtleties that are crazy in that interview. Not all of all of us agree in America that, that fascists are bad anyway. <laughs> so what's the uh, problem here? I cuck on fascism. I also oppose that. I, I don't really want anything to do with that. But as we've talked about many fascists. times- well, I, I would consider that somewhat to be a contradiction in terms, although people like to theorize. But to the point that we've discussed frequently, if you if you gave me a choice between um, truth based authoritarianism, which I understand, you know, as we talk about with the disinformation board, I think uni, unilateral control over the truth is um, is uh, not really a possible thing. What I'm saying is if I had authoritarianism that was more connected to the observable reality of planet earth, that's better than authoritarianism. That's connected to made up nonsense. And you know, some people would argue that truth based authoritarianism is fascism. uh, I think it, I think any, the ultimate truth is that individuals are endowed with rights. There is no truth from a moral perspective in our interaction with each other. That is higher than that. So anything yeah. that betrays that first truth, I I am not going to support. Um, but if you're talking about is are men men and are women women and maybe some power exercised in pursuit of truths like that would be beneficial relative to the status quo. I can understand that. I just don't think it's the ideal uh, at which to aim. Can we both agree that there's clearly a subsection of people that should be stripped of their individual rights immediately? <laughs> no. I think. We- no, no. Come I- on. Come on. I, I can't I can't agree to that. Premise, You're really bitching out here, man. There okay. are some people who are begging for it. Yeah, there are. Uh, and uh, they're the same sort of people that are promising you they're going to come after you. So in two years, I'm going to talk to you and you're going to be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, don't do 2K. Good timing on the cuckoo's nest as Yankowitz. It's Yankowitz, right? I, I think it's actually wrong. Is it Jankowitz? I've only heard Jankowitz, but I've never heard her say her own name. So it might okay. be Yankowitz is funnier. That is kind of funny. Ascends yeah. to become our national nurse ratchet. Yeah, really. That's janky sound. Yankee. Janky that's, Yankee. That's, that's what good. she's known for is the old janky Yankee. She'll give you Ooh. one of those. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> Esoteric Unbound. You guys should watch Cool Hand Luke, a great movie with a similar plot released eight years earlier. Not quite so nihilistic. Blonde mm. should have a handy, a fan handy, though. Paul Newman was 42 at the time. Google his beard. Oh, wow. Well, I never. Yeah. Uh, Sadie N-word. Thank you. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> totally escaped my Anna Hitch, I just want to congratulate Matt on his correct use of the word disinterested in the Ministry of Truth, Crazy Cat Lady story. Hint, it does not mean uninterested. I know you're right, and I still do this all the time. Well, thank you for the compliment. I'm not sure I actually, I think that was lucky. Well, it's fine. You, you, it was uh, correct, so who ter- cares if it was lucky? The definition is not influenced by considerations of personal advantage. I can't remember how I used it, but I think that was actually luck. I think that was incidental as opposed to correct, proper understanding. of the. I appreciate the comment. I'll take it. Well, as always, we are ending at exactly the right moment. We are getting so good at showtime. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It just, it comes together. It's like all of those uh, zoom interruptions were part of the design to achieve the exact 
uh, time goal. And you're right. Yeah. We are all set. Uh, we're good on D live. We're good on tippy stream. All right. Anything else before what? we, uh, what? Nothing. It's fine. Oh, well that's just a false alarm. Okay. Just well, the live chat is informed me of something very troubling. Well, shut up, silly woman. Nobody cares. <laughs> Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, appreciate uh, your chats and your support for the show through Super Chat and all of that. And uh, everything else that you offer and bring to the show on a weekly basis. Thank you for that. If you're listening later on demand, uh, thank you kindly as well for supporting the show. It is greatly appreciated. If you're looking for more to listen to, if you can't get enough, you can find more material over on the uh, audio platforms of the show. They're linked in the description and on the website. That's mattchristensenmedia.com. Speaking of, if you're looking for anything show-related, head on over to the website. That's mattchristensenmedia.com. We will be back next Sunday. Because if it's Sunday, sorry, Chuck Todd, it's not Meet the Press. It is the Matt and Blonde Show. Have a great night. Bye, guys.